Hey guys, welcome to Bane Boardcast, episode number 448. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. Normally we start off with a week in geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. There's news. <laughs> then it's the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out July 7th, 2021. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're going to be taking a look back at some of the new comic books that we bought for the month of June 2021. Uh, we got some good books to talk about. Look forward to hearing about those later. But guys, something something big's happening right now. Uh, we're all drinking the same beer. Uh, I always love when this happens, when this works out. Um, we talked about it on the show previously where John was able to come down for a couple days to visit Orlando. Uh, and on that trip, I was actually able to pass off some of the beer that I had grabbed for you guys that I had been holding on to. I meant to send it out. And then it finally just got to the point where I was like, well, John's coming down. Like, you know, <laughs> he get to take it. Save, save me uh, like 40 something dollars on, yeah. on shipping. I still, still have the ones to send out to my mom, though. Um, but this is coming from Ellipsis Brewing, one of my favorite Orlando breweries. John, One of my favorite Orlando <laughs> so breweries. We went there and spent some good time. Drank some great beers. Uh, this is actually something that they had done for Orlando Beer Week. Uh, they put out four special four-packs. And these are Ninja Turtle. I, I don't want to say inspired beers because the beers themselves don't have anything to do with Ninja Turtles. But each one of them is named after Ninja Turtles weapons. And then on the can art for it, they have like a drawing of a snapping turtle with you know the appropriate colored mask and weapons on it. So I decided uh, we will be doing this in theme song order. And if you are familiar with the theme song, you will know that Leonardo leads. Uh, so we're going to be starting off with Katanas. And this is an 8.5% uh, double dry hopped IPA with Galaxy and Mosaic hops. You know what? Until you just said the lyric, I always thought it was Leonardo Leaps. Not Leonardo Leeds. I've been mishearing that lyric my entire life. No, he's the leader. That was his right. His claim. It makes sense. But in the opening, well, they, he's like falling. They all, all jump. They all leap. So that yeah. really wouldn't be that special for him. Yeah, but Leonardo isn't that special to begin with. So, uh, and no, he's he's the leader. Like the spear and the leaper. Uh, uh, no, um, yeah. So I love going to Ellipsis. Their IPAs are all good, but there's nothing really knockout about them. I will say for 8.5% ABV, this is it drinks Ooh. really quick. Like um, I poured Yanni some. She didn't care for it because she's not too big into IPAs. It has to be like kind of like a Juice Bomb New England style. Uh, this is delightful, though. I, I think this is pretty good. Um, yeah. If I hadn't sent you guys the other cans, this would be fine being in my fridge. Like This would be a great... Like, get home from work, crack it open, kind of unwind after the day beer. Um, and Chris and I are both drinking these out of our Bebop and Rocksteady glasses that I bought for us while we were down there. So Nice. Uh, yeah, just a little extra behind the behind the scenes. I'm, I'm drinking it out of a uh, big ditch glass because oh, I don't that's a nice... have a... I don't have a Rocksteady or Bebop, but, you know... The Ninja Turtles were found in a sewer, which is kind of like a ditch, I guess. There you, you go. Know, a stretching. 
stretching. Honestly, the, you know, I'm coming up to the end of this now. I I like this. I think it's a step up from some of their other IPAs that I've had. Um, yeah, it's it's a really nice, easy drinking double dry hop IPA. Like even though it's got that uh, DDH going on with it, it's not that abrasive. Like it's very smooth. Paul, that's double dry hopped. Right. And that's when okay. they add hops afterwards. Mm, yeah. To add more of that vibrant hop flavor. The juiciness. The juiciness. The vibrant. The, the no bittering. It's good to know. Yeah. And it's good, you know, we, we never know if we pick up a new listener. Nobody's listening. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's we're gonna skip the news because I don't think we really had anything um, really for news. Uh, we've, we're all enjoying Loki. I don't know if we've talked mm-hmm. about that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's about about it. Some trailers have come out, but you know, this yeah, is the day age that. Uh, I care about that. So let's go right into the list, guys. Ooh, ooh. And these are the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out July 7th, 2021. It's my dad's birthday that day. Oh, happy birthday, oh, Mr. Ball. Is he going to be buying some comics? Uh, Yeah, more than likely. Because, you know, my dad, my dad, he's a random guy. You know? If you think I'm random, my dad could just be like, oh, at a spin rack, see some comics, he'd buy one. Why not? That and a thing gum. Yeah. Well, what comic book will you be buying? Well, I'll be buying Justice League Infinity number one. That's right. This is coming from the producer of the awesome animated cartoon series, Justice League Unlimited, which is probably, what, 20 years old by this point? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, somewhere there. I mean, Unlimited came out after Justice League, the cartoon series, but still, it's been at least 15 years. And also uh, from the C- series writer, or head writer, uh, J.M. DeManatius. DeManatius? Mm. Uh, so, hey. DeMantis? I don't know how to say it. But <laughs> this, is, this is starring all the characters from the DCAU. So, I'm just excited to see more of, the, uh, more of those characters all together. Because Wally West Flash, happy to get some more of that. Yeah. How about you guys? You guys looking for something fun, something bright, something happy, John? Uh, yeah, bright and happy. That is my book, The Lot, number one. And this is coming from Bad Idea Comics. Uh, uh, Bic Comics, for short. And this is uh, in the 1970s. Legendary filmmaker Oliver Larson began a production in his latest horror masterpiece on the lot of a Los Angeles famed Cloverleaf Studios. Obsessed with bringing authenticity to the genre, the director cast real-life occultists to perform a genuine satanic ritual on camera until something horribly went wrong. In the bloody aftermath, the production was shut down, the footage was confiscated, and the soundstage was shuttered forever. Until today. Uh, Wait, this is, is a true story? Yes. Uh, and this is written by uh, Marguerite Bennett, art by Renato Guedes. Guedes? Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, and this, uh, I mean, looked interesting. I thought the cover uh, caught my eye. And, um, you know, check it out. I didn't see much else that really interested me. You know, Firepower number 13. I've been talking about Firepower for the last year. You know, get over it, John. Yeah, John. That's what we're here to talk to you about today, actually. This entire podcast has just been leading up to you uh, having an intervention. Getting, not, not, getting over it? Not talking about Firepower. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm looking forward to a new number one as well. And this is actually coming out from Image Comics, their Skybound imprint. Um, Skybound, Skybound is the imprint that's actually kind of started and spearheaded by Robert Kirkman, who is best known for creating The Walking Dead, Battle Pope, Invincible, just a great bevy of well-known indie comics over the past 10 years. And Skybound is celebrating their 10th anniversary, so I'm looking forward to Skybound X number one. Um, and this is going to be kind of their new launching point. It's going to be a weekly anthology series where it's going to be one story that's continuing through each issue. But then there's also going to be special like one-off stories that will be introducing new characters into other Skybound books or kind of being like the zero issues for new books that will be coming out. Um, this very first one is actually continuing a story that Robert Kirkman told uh, way back in Walking Dead number 75, where it had Rick waking up from, if you're familiar with The Walking Dead, um, mm-hmm. Rick waking up from being shot and comatose. But instead of there being zombies, he's actually found out that aliens invaded and the zombies came from them and he now has a robotic arm and it's basically sci-fi superhero Rick Grimes fighting against zombies kind of weird, kind of fun Robert Kirkman's actually teaming up with Invincible artist Ryan Otley to do this Um, and if you've played the Walking Dead Telltale game, there's actually going to be a Clementine story in this as well um, as well as a new Ultra Mega story. We talked about Ultra Mega number one on last month's uh, look back, and then a new Manifest Destiny story as well, which I don't think we've read that book. Maybe we did. We read issue one okay. like six years ago. Gotcha. And guys, how could we have forgotten? This is our 12th, <laughs> is it? 12th anniversary? Yeah, kind of, sort of. I don't know. I think it's pretty big. No, that's, that's big. Uh, 11, it's 11. 11 years we would do it. This is just something yeah, we started do. in 09. Um, 52 pages for this book. It's only $4.99. Uh, I'll be picking up the first issue just to see how it feels. I looked forward to the next three. I'm interested in the Rick Grimes story going forward, but most of the other books that have those like spin-off or backup tales... I don't read, so I don't know how into this I am. Um, But I like the idea behind it. I like Image having their own kind of little, like, anthology book that things will be springing out of. So if this story is really good and I do want to continue reading the Rick Grimes 2000, hey, you know what, maybe some other stuff will be coming out from this that we'll be talking about on further editions of the monthly look back. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Uh... I'm sorry, what what is our next turtle? Is it Donnie? Yeah, uh, yeah. Leonardo leads, and then Donatello's there doing machines, which maybe you shouldn't sit around and doing anything with machines 
uh, after drinking that 8.5%. Uh, yeah, this the I, Surgeon General, which should have been a character on the Ninja Turtles animated show. He probably had an action figure at some point. You know, probably. Uh, he would, yeah, he would definitely uh, advise against operating heavy machinery after drinking alcohol. Yeah, uh, next up, we have Bow Staff, six uh, percent ABV, and they say this is a wild berry cheesecake. Um, I poured some for Yanni, and she took a sip, and then she made a face, and then picked up the can and looked at it, and then like walked away. And I haven't seen her since, so I'm assuming. Does she have the can? Still? No, I, she left the can so I could read it. But I think it got her seal of approval. It pours out. It's like a beautiful, like deep red, like nice burgundy. It smells Ooh. smells mm. good. Ah, mm. that's good. John, you're the first one wild. to try it. So tell us, tell us wild bear, wild berry cheesecake. Uh, you get that lactose. It does have. It definitely has mm. a cheesecakiness. It's got a little bit of cinnamon, kind of that graham cracker. And the berries there, like uh, I mean, it really holds up. It's not as thick of a beer as the um, the mango and the berry that I brought home from them. Um, what's the name of those? those uh, the fruit by the fruit by the yeah yeah. This I would say this is <clears throat> akin to the. Hidden Springs Aleworks Humble Pie, except it's not as yeah. big like tart on it. Like this is much more like mm-hmm. like sweet, kind of like smoother. Like yeah, Ooh. Um, it's really nice. It's kind of like I don't want to guzzle this. Mm-hmm. I want to sit and really enjoy this. Um, but obviously, we got two other beers to get through. So this has like a graham crackery, a biscuity kind yeah, of flavor. Cheesecake, baby. Yeah. It's yeah, good. Just like it's really nice. Yeah, I yeah, and, uh, definitely enjoy this one. Um, it makes me want to get some wild berry pop tarts. Mm. I don't like pop tarts. I know, like a nice no, like that's weird. Like the s'mores ones are pretty good. I haven't had them in forever, mm-hmm. but I usually bring them on uh, road trips or any kind of trip with me because they are easy, cheap breakfast and very easy to pack. This is like a nice like cheese Danish with um, mm-hmm. berries to it, you know. It's a nice. You get that. You get that cheesy cakeness to it. Really, yeah. it's it's done really, really well. I have nothing but praise for yeah, you, uh, beer. And I think this beer shows why <clears throat> Ellipsis is just like one of my go-to breweries here now because they do stuff like this, and you're like, yeah, that's great. Like, give me more of that. And even the stuff that you know, Catan's like. Still really good. Not knockout, but you know what? This, yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I like it a lot. I also like the cans and the can art. Like, I'm going to rinse the cans out, and I'm going to put them on my shelf, and I'm going to keep them. Really? Yeah. I can't say that about anything. I have some, like, antique bottles from, like, 1927 or something. I have some antique beer bottles, but, uh, yeah, like, I like these, and the fact that they're Ninja Turtles, and I've been watching Ninja Turtles with my son, like, oh. I like them. I was gonna, I looked, I was gonna bring home an ellipsis, or ellipses Ninja Turtle shirt for my son, um, but they didn't have any small enough. Um, you mean the beer company wasn't selling child sizes? <laughs> well, even if I just got, like, an, a small or an extra small, it still would be big on him, he'd have to grow into it, but... 
Uh, no, they only had one Raphael shirt, and it was like uh, a medium or something. But, yeah. Are we are we ready to head into the next segment? Oh, our main our, our, oh. no no oh my goodness uh, who's doing uh, the reading? You you are. Oh, okay, and now a dramatic reading. From Wonder Woman, Black and Gold, Issue 1, Page 33, Panel 2. Anytime, say, it's been swell and all, but these girls worked up an appetite, if y'all get me. There's more on the more? <laughs> That's all that came. No, no. Oh, oh! Y- y- <laughs> that was a dramatic reading, forced but dramatic, from Wonder Woman, Black and Gold, and, number one. And if you want to, page thirty-three, panel two. If you want to see that panel that John so lovingly brought to life, it'll be over on our Instagram. Just check it out, Bagging Board. Uh, it was. You definitely read the words that were on that that page there. I did it. Uh, It's really hard because I want to get to the next beer while we start to head into the main topic, but I really don't want to just like down this. Yeah. No, but let's uh, let's take our time with this. We got a lot of books to read or discuss that we've read, so maybe we. uh, Yeah, yeah, we talk those. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to rush through that. Paul is, but goodness gracious, Paul. Most of it's in the can. Is most of it's still in the can? Yeah. I'm pouring out just a little bit because I, I figured I'd throw some plastic wrap on top of the cans if I need to. Put them back in the fridge. Tomorrow's the 4th of July, guys. I can spend all day drinking. It's fine. It's America's birthday. Even though we all know that uh, the decoration was actually, you know, passed on July 2nd. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. We do the 4th of July. It's something. It sounds better. And uh, what also sounds good is us reading some comic books. And guys, I bought some comic books this year. <laughs> this get month. at it. Get out of town. And, and, you know, much like our own history holds secrets, like, you know, the actual day of independence should be July 2nd, uh, the DC Universe holds many secrets and many secret organizations that have all fell to Leviathan. And now... A ragtag group of heroes is are trying to rebuild a spy agency known as Checkmate. And that's the whole premise of the book that we read. Uh, Checkmate, number one, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, Michael even, oh, no, who did? Well, Alex Maleev on art. Uh, and Stuart, who? What is it? Uh, and Dave Stewart on Colors? <laughs> Dave Stewart on colors, yeah. That's that's the three names that are on the on the title on the uh, cover there. And uh, it's a limited series, just one of six. Guys, I tried to read the Leviathan. I fell off of the Leviathan. I have no idea who uh, some of these characters are. But let's Wait, let's which, go. Which one of these you characters know? don't you? The king. Okay, well, the, nobody knows that's, who that's the king is. That's one character. Yeah. And also, I don't. I know. I read some of the backups of the of uh, Manhunter Kate, not Kate Bishop. What's her name? 
See, I don't even know uh, the new Manhunter or the ma- old Manhunter, Mark Shaw. But apparently he was Leviathan, our led Leviathan. So, uh, so yeah, two or three characters I don't really know. Um, and Bones, I have no real... I know he was the director of the DEO, but other than that... Um, I read all of Manhunter, and I'm blanking on her name, too. I was looking to see, too, if that pops up, and it doesn't really. Yeah. The one thing, like, <clears throat> I enjoyed this book. I didn't love this book. I loved the first part of this book until they got to the splash page, checkmate, and they talked about, you know, everything and said who everyone was. Like, so that like first three pages. <laughs> I like three pages book. of it. I Those are the pages I really liked, and that's mm-hmm. with... Mark Shaw coming in, saying, defeating people, coming up to Talia Al Ghul. Kate Spencer. Like, Kate Spencer. Spencer. Uh, and saying, you know, what can I do for you? And then he takes it over. And then it's Talia and Robin having their little mom and, and son moment and then disappearing in that spacecraft. After that, there's too many characters. There's too many checkmate characters that they're trying to push in here. You know, Question, Green Arrow, Lois Lane. Like, there just seems like there's too many of them trying to edge in for the thing. And, like, the Question didn't even say anything. Well, that's why I I think I don't have any issues with that because you get them in their kind of like – it seems like their first meeting because – they still don't know too much of like what's going on and what they're all doing there. And Lois is the only one that's really kind of taking point on anything. So the other characters, I'm excited to see them there because, like I said, I read all of... It was like Mark Andreco, I think, was writing the Manhunter series when that came out. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Spencer. Really good. I love me some Green Arrow. Look forward to something else we'll be talking about. Uh, later on in the show. Mm-hmm. I do like the way uh, Brian Michael Bendis handles Lois Lane. Like, I think when we did read that uh, Leviathan number one, like, Lois was definitely, like, a breakout character in that because I think in there she was more written, like, that competent, like, nose-to-the-grind, like, reporter that we've always been told she was. And I think that's just mm-hmm. Brian Michael Bendis knows how to write a character like that just from his years of writing like indie crime novel stuff. Uh, and Ben York. <laughs> yeah. And like before he got into like, you know, being like the big superhero guy, like that, this is what he did. Like torso, like focusing on like Elliot Ness, like he likes writing this yeah. kind of book mm-hmm. and the fact that he can now do it in the DC universe. I actually enjoy this a lot more than I thought I would because the last time I think I read a checkmate book was something that you had picked up, Paul, and this was years ago where it was like shot, uh, Sasha Bordeaux as like mm-hmm. the, like the white Bishop or whatever, like, like director bones was still there, but then it was like, was it Mr. Terrific? Yeah, Mr. Terrific was, was like was one of the Kings. Running it. Yeah. Um, so it's been like one of those corners of the DC universe that I just don't normally care for. I don't gravitate towards spy stuff, but there's like enough pedigree on like characters on this book that, I'm into it. And it was the same kind of thing with Leviathan. I just didn't read anymore because nobody else like yeah. picked it up. 
But I, I really like that number one. It was a weird release schedule, and it was during the time where it seemed like DC was rebooting. Like, it was an event, but there was also another event going on over at DC. And then I think there were some weird delays with it. And then it ended, and I didn't even realize it ended. It was like one of those things, and it didn't have any impact on the rest of the books. So it was like, oh, oh, so that happened, kind of? And now we're seeing the the fallout of it here in a six-issue miniseries, which won't have any other effect, which is fine as long as it's a good story. And this makes me want to go back and read the Leviathan stuff. You know, maybe in a trade. Um, Paul, if you pick that trade up, I would definitely want to like read it and talk about it. Well, why, why don't... I know, Paul, you'd already picked for your trade and policy, but why don't we read... You Did know, I? it's. I think it's on the docket, but why don't we skip mine and do Leviathan for our next thing, and then we can discuss it since it's fresh in our minds and we're enjoying it. Because I did um, like this book. Yeah, I just felt there was that one scene where there was just too many people going on. But really, it, Chris, to your point, the breakout star of this book is Lois Lane, who mm-hmm. I wasn't sure exactly what to expect well, out of even her. Even when she's talking to the like the king, and she's like. Your accent, where are you from? And then they're like, yeah. oh, I, I thought I hid that. And then after that, like they kind of t- totally break down. And it's like, no, my husband's an alien. I, I recognize this. Like, who are you? Where are you from? Um, I, I, she has a line of questions that she's following. It, it gets her nowhere. So then she goes on a different tack and follows, tries a different line of questioning, which is great. You know, like, I'm like, oh, that's, that's what I would expect a reporter who's an ace reporter to do. Like... She's going to get some answer. And Brian, I have to say, Brian Michael Bendis, for his whole career, has written strong women very, very well. Um, in in his indie stuff with, like, Jinx, with... Um, Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Like, he's always, he's always done a, a really great job of doing that. No, um, I'm just getting a cool butt root uh, guy right <laughs> me, me too. Uh, this is another one I don't think Yanni's gonna like. Cause it's, I think it's probably like the same IPA, but it's double dry hop with. Is this the hops. is this the raft? Oh uh, yeah, this is the I'll twin just, size. I'll just drink this out of the can and save my um sour. You're, all I know is for checkmate. Yeah, I kind of like checkmate being established and being that main organization that was like trying to stay ahead of Cobra, but not the Cobra like we're probably thinking of. But you know, uh, with a Cobra with the gate. Uh, you know, they were established. They were kind of like moving pieces and bits, and like kind of dancing around the superheroes. Like, oh well, we we're not going to op- do this operation here because we know Batman will take care of it, and we'll do this over here, which will then cause so and so a superhero to then investigate this more, and then they'll take care of that, and we'll do. And what we really want to be doing is over this over here, you know. That uh, big, you know, the big chess game that that they are implying with their you know, knights and bishops and all that jazz. So, but no, I thought it was fun. It is Brian Michael Bendis just doing dialogue with characters, and it, we end with uh, Lois Lane talking to somebody that was working out in production at the Daily Planet this whole time. That's part of Leviathan. And I do want to say this was my pick for the look back. Oh. 
I listed it before Paul. I put it in the docket. Paul never put any of his books in the docket, but he stole this book from me. I'm just saying. This does. Yeah, okay. Oh, I did not read. like a Paul book, though. Uh, Nice House on the Lake. I I read it. We can talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Good. Because we we talked about the books on the... uh, They've been in the docket for three yeah. weeks now I, I know but i didn't check the docket i only checked our <laughs> it's Facebook also message. it's also listed listed in the messenger as well i didn't catch it yeah okay well nice house on the lake it's it's a nice house that was on the lake uh it's james tinian paul okay you do enjoy you've Here. missed out on a james tinian I, book i'll hear you guys talk about it and maybe i'll go back and read it i like the art in it Cool. I agree, uh, but guys, we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves because I think we all have the next beer cracked. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like how we just we have like six books of yeah. still to go. Uh, this one I feel like I'll be able to take my time with because this is another uh, double dry hopped IPA. Like, yeah, I I think the the age of the beer is definitely showing in this, where you really get a lot more of the malt coming through not so much of the hops i think the first beer the hops came through a little bit better because it's mosaic and it was galaxy Um, with this with the citra and the strata i think at least in my beer i'm still a little bit more malt forward it's a little bit more malt forward but i'm still getting that kind of hop bite on the back and it's a little bit more like not resiny but it's like borderline yeah, I, I get more resin than fruit, yeah. uh, than tropical fruit or anything uh, like that. So it, it's it's, it, it's not bad. I think mm-hmm. just it just it, out of, out of the two IPAs, this one didn't hold up. I still think it's good. It's still drinkable. But if you gave me the two, put the two in front of me, I would definitely pick um, Katana yeah. over this one. Yeah, but I, again, it's it's. It's just a product of of having aged a little longer than it probably should have. Yeah, I mean, and that's I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it still holds up. Again, um, twin size, eight point five percent ABV, uh, double dry hopped with Citra and Strata hops. Uh, it's fine. Like I would agree, I like Katana's better. Um, that's like that kind of like more fruitiness to it, but not not bad. Again, like. Their IPAs don't wow me, like as a whole, and that's nothing against them. Like it's just they. I think they do like their sours, and, like porters and stouts, like so much stronger that that's going to be my go-to. Um, and they're just what I brought home from. They're going to knock my socks off. Like that's just kind of how it's going to be. I still dream about that melon sour that we had there, Chris. Yeah. That's. Uh, they still have the mango banana in cans because we already drank the four pack that we brought back from there. Obviously, because we're not animals. Um, <laughs> like I think the day you left, like after Yanni got home from work that night, like she opened up one of them because it's just that good. Yeah. Um. I. I was talking to a one of my customers today and we were talking about different beers and stuff and I said like this beer is like 
the consistency and the taste of those beers, I think, are just like they're between a froth beer and Minky Boodle. Because I think the they're a little more thick and fruited than a Minky is. Um, as much as I love Minky Boodle, not to put that as like the baseline, the bottom of this, but I think just the consistency of those beers with the fruit is a bit bigger. Um, but yeah, I, I I think those the two that I brought home, the very berry and the mango banana, are, are both extremely excellent. And I can't I can't decide which one I like more because that mango banana is just perfect. the The banana and the mango work so well together. It's just like that hits that sweet spot where it's not too sweet, it's not too tart. You get the banana, but it's not overpowering. The mango's not overpowering. Not to do a review of a beer that we're not doing on the show, but and then but then I'm like, oh. And then I cracked open the berry one because we had a picnic last weekend, and I had I had some of that, and I was like, yeah, I can. I don't think I can choose which one I like more. Like, if if I was there and they had both those four packs again, I would buy both of them again. I I do not fault you for that at all. So I want to get back to uh, John. You said that it's been on the the East books have been on the docket for how many weeks? I said like three weeks. Three weeks. Now I went back on Google, you know where we have our episode there, and I went through the history. You added the book Checkmate Number One, Nice House on the Lake, on Wednesday. Okay. And then the message went out. Paul, any books we should read? Guess which day? Thursday, the very next day. Well, I haven't checked. So it wasn't three weeks. You made that change the day before you asked me which books to read, sir. Jacques! You still didn't check it, though, right? I checked it now, and I checked it. You checked it now. You did all this investigation now, but not when it was time to read the books. So you're you're still a day late. I was a day late, but we were talking about the books here. And I see, hey. You just didn't want to read it because it was a John pick. And you're like, I'm Paul. I'm going to buy an anthology book that half the stories are shit in. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that right now with (laughs) Wonder Woman, Black and Gold, issue one, written by a whole group of people. Yeah, there were some some bad stories. That first one, ooh, was rough to get through. Um, But I I think there were some really good ones. So the first one... Um, which I think worth noting, this is an anthology book and all of the stories in this are done with black and white art, but there's also the color like yellow or golden. So like there are pops of color in it, but it's all going to be consistent throughout the entire, was it, uh, one, two, three, four, five stories that are in this. Um, the first one, mother's daughter by AJ Mendez art by Ming Doyle is basically telling about Diana visiting Hippolyta and then, or Hippolyta, however you pronounce it. I don't know. Uh, And just Hippolyta being like that kind of doting mother that hasn't seen her daughter in a while. And as someone who has lived away from home, like states away for like seven, eight years now, I definitely feel the vibes on this because my mom's kind of like this. Like when she talks to me or when I get to go home, 
So, I, I kind of get the heart of this. Do I think it's a great story? No, like the fact that, oh, like you guys have been apart for so long that now it's manifesting as a sickness. I, I don't need that. Like, no, no, thank you. But if this was in like the Wonder Woman 80th anniversary or, you know, a couple years away, the 90th anniversary, mm-hmm. I would get it as just kind of like one of those like couple page, like heartwarming stories, but that's not necessarily where my mind goes when I think about a Wonder Woman story. Yeah. Where the next one kind of is a little bit more. Uh, what Doesn't Kill You by Nadia Shamas with uh, art by Morgan Bean. I do want to say it was eight pages. That first one was eight pages. That's that's the editor's. That's going to be, I'm blaming that on the editor, not burying that story. Like, it's an okay story, but that's not your lead. That's not your lead. No. That's not not what you start off with. Like, I think, go ahead. uh, The next next one, which, um, what doesn't kill you, would be a good lead. Yeah. This, again... It's it's not the greatest story, because it's something that's been done a thousand times. Oh, you came to this castle, I gave you something, and now I've tricked you to have your sins kind of come back on you, and whether or not you can face them or not. But then, whoo-hoo, I'm the villain all along, not a kindly old lady. I'm sorry, I've read this like 90 times in Hellboy. Like, I've seen it before. Um, I like the use of colors mm-hmm. in this, the yellow, the kind of orangey red that appear in it. But I didn't love the art styles. I like the art style, but I don't like the faces in this book. Yeah, this one felt much more like that indie take on Wonder Woman. And I dug it because it called back to like the Greg Rucka stuff where she was fighting Medusa. And it's been, like, 17 years since that, like, art came out. But I remember reading that, like, when we were still, like, you know, going to the comic book shop every week and, like, buying our physical copies. And that kind of reawakened something in me that I'm like, man, I miss those stories. And then, because I read this before I actually read the Green Arrow 80th anniversary, which we'll be talking about Mm -hmm. later. And there's, like, a weird part of me that's like, wait, like, what's what's continuity now? Because I literally don't know where we stand. And Oh, there is and no like, continuity anymore. You know, not real, but, like, what's, like, the quote-unquote canon? Because especially when we get into that Green Arrow one, it's telling stories from basically, like, every big point in Green Arrow's history. But so much of that stuff has been wiped away or didn't happen now that I'm kind of like what what matters it's all happened it's, it's all happened in infinite frontiers I, I can separate yeah. myself as like the reader but now I'm like well I don't know what's real quote unquote anymore and even pre-show John if you've re- if you've read it it's real but it's even, real to you before you jumped on like when Paul and I were looking at the books that we were going to pick for the list this week I so I was like oh the Flash annual is coming out. And I was like, who's the Flash now? Because I don't keep up with a lot of comics like week to week, month to month mm-hmm. anymore. But 
I don't know what I'm necessarily jumping into anymore. And I don't okay. like that just as, you know, comic book fan. I feel like I used to have all this stuff down on lock, but now I just I don't know anymore. Well, we're in we're in the infinite frontier. Well, I after, don't know what that uh, means because apparently none of this stuff matters. Yeah, because it's exactly. happening after it, a future every, that's not real. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, so Wonder Woman sacrificed herself and then recreated the multiverse in which all the stories have happened. Including and she was in the, the next one, I'm Ageless, uh, by yes. John Arcudi, which with is, art by Ryan Sook, who, as soon as I see Ryan Sook it. on a book, I'm like, okay, like this is going to look fantastic. This is the best-looking story in this book, and in my opinion... It's because he draws, my, he draws Wonder Woman as Linda Carter, right? Uh, no, like that, like the second page with the tank, like with the boom coming out of the explosion and then her like crushing that tank, like that's a great looking page. Uh, but even like her walk through the cemetery, the page layout, everything he's done in this book, I think looks gorgeous. Like even in the, in the, in the cemetery, when they see like the Wayne mausoleum, like everything looks so great in this. And this is probably my favorite story out of this mm-hmm. anthology, too. Yeah, I um, understand. But but this is a uh, Wonder Woman um, in World War two two World War two because uh, the tanks with the soldier that she met. Um, and then it kind of shows her saving him and then him going on in life. And then it's a walk through the cemetery to his grave to put a flower on his grave to, to remember him as someone that she fought with and that had passed away. And there's a nice scene with Batman saying, like, we're insects to you. Mm-hmm. You're however years old, like you're a million years old, like none of this matters. Like we're a blip to you. And she's like, no, you're you're more you're more important to me than that. Like, I thought this was a good, well-rounded Wonder Woman story that kind of captures her humanity and why she does yeah. this. Yeah, I, I really like the reframing of Wonder Woman here, not just being like, oh, she's just the embodiment of love and compassion. Like, you know, that's was Jeff Johns' take on Wonder Woman. I like that she's like, no, I see humanity as that. You're, you, anything can kill you, and you're still out there doing the work mm-hmm. and doing good work, and it's impressive. And I'm here to help you in any way I can, you know, because your lives are so fleeting. And you'll, um, it reminds me of that the, that phrase or the saying like, uh, "Blessed be the people that plant trees that they'll never sit underneath the shade of," you know, like, you know, that kind of thing, like. We're going to do work to further the gener- you know, the next generation, and you know, they, they we see that like McCray, you know, with people come the when she's talking about it, you know, uh, the soldier coming home that lost his arm and is now running for senator and all that jazz. So, yeah, yeah, I think this is the best story of the book. Ooh, I, as a story, okay, I was going to say it's really good, but there's one coming up, like in two more. I think that's my favorite. 
Um, but before we get to that one, we do have uh, written and drawn by Amy Reader, The Golden Age, which this is like a very young version of Diana foiling a bank robbery alongside mm-hmm. Etta Candy. Um, it's a fun story. Like This is kind of one of those, yeah. like, if this was in an anniversary special, I, I would get it. Um, I feel like some of these probably would have been better served in like one of those big, like 80 page giants, not just, uh, anthology ongoing. Um, right. This is the one that I thought they should have started the book with. I, I would it's right into the action. It's golden age. You're like, okay, cool. It uses a lot of yellow, you know, with the bags, money, the fire and everything. It's a little bit more fun than doting mother. Like, sorry, yeah. daughter kind of thing. And it's just kind of that wacky kind of fun, too. It's hot pants uh, Wonder Woman, you know, with a halter top and everything. And it's, and she's foiling, just foiling a bank robbery, you know, with a person with a blowtorch. That's really uh, threatening her. And then all of a sudden, at, at Academy comes in and saves the day. Yeah, uh, I, I like this one. It It is what it is. Like, there's nothing big... There's nothing thought-provoking about it. Like, it's not a heavy, like, this is who Wonder Woman is kind of story like we had with the previous one or, like, the one coming up. But it's it's fine. I'm glad it's in here. Like, this is kind of one of my middle to upper tiers from this book because it's, it's a fun read. It's great, great use of the colored yellow in this book yeah. as well. It's probably the third best because we're going to get to either the second or first best. Uh, I would agree. The next one is the it's my second favorite of the story, and it's <laughs> the two I only really like. There's only two I really like out of this. Okay. No. Um, so, so, and the, you want to introduce it, John, or do you not have it open? I'll, I'll introduce it. It's called the Wager, and the uh, it's Ooh. art and written by Becky Cloonan. Hey, one Paul's of our favorite girl. Yep, uh, woman, uh, and, and uh, we're lettering by Pat uh, Brasuni, editor. Okay, group editors. Yep, uh, and it's basically Wonder Woman interrogating a uh, a good for nothing lowlife who is uh, just she's trying to make him confess, and he's like, "Oh, why don't you just use?" Uh, the lasso on me, you know. I heard that'll make me tell the truth, and she's like, "Oh no, if I use the lasso on you, it will break you. You've only heard part of the story. You don't know the whole thing." And then she goes through the whole story about how the lasso was created and um, and made with the golden fleece. A lot of fun, and uh, she convinces yes the guy that yes uh, the lasso will break him like. And he's like, no, I'll confess, just don't use the lasso on me. She walks out. And the only reason she didn't use the lasso was because she bet Batman <laughs> that she could get him to confess without using it. So good. Uh, this is the kind of Becky Cloonan story that I I like. Back when she put out those like ash cans where it was like the Meyer um, I can't remember what the other ones were called. Like we picked them all up at conventions. Yeah. Um yeah, just like her alone on a like short books, short story. Mm-hmm. Like here's the beginning, here's the end. Um, 
this is my favorite one in this. Like this yeah. is the one woman that I I love. Yeah, I like I I really like this one too. It's good. It, I, everything about it, how she says she got it, how she got it, the strings, uh, the fleece, the, the, the big giant bowl, her just being a badass and being like, yeah, you know, I slayed it pretty easy. Like, it was nothing for me. Uh, all of that, I think, works really well. And yes, Chris, you said it just right. It, this is when Becky Cloonan, I think, is the best or if she's doing the art for someone who's writing a great story because she then ups her art to match how great that story is um kind of like when uh brian woods was doing um conan the barbarian Mm -hmm. like that book was amazing looking and so much so that paul even got the sketch of the 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 witch or uh uh the witch that was in it like yeah yeah the uh the black queen or yeah, I think that's what they called her. Uh, I asked for a Wonder Woman sketch, and she's like, "Well, I haven't drawn Wonder Woman, so I'm not gonna." Paul, you could have had the Wonder first Woman. Wonder Woman's. Wow. <laughs> uh, and then later on in the <laughs> convention, she was doing Wonder Woman sketches. <laughs> so, it was, I, I wonder how that would look compared to you this now, because just going back through this. Oh, oh, when you when she's fighting the bull. That's the char- That's the character that she did in uh, Conan the Barbarian with the with the rings yeah. over. Oh yeah, for her home. And I'm like, oh okay, yep. But there's you basically you basically have her. Uh, yeah, because of that que- that character. That's the reason I asked for a Wonder Woman sketch is because I'm like, ah, I'm not really into Conan. I'm l- enjoying what she's doing with Conan, and that character could easily be Wonder Woman. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it was- everything about this, like fighting the bull, like for the golden fleece, like taking it to the face to have it spun, like again, like you said, Paul, just to have it be like, no, I made a bet with Wonder Woman, like or with Batman, like it's, oh, it would have been my favorite story. You know why it isn't? Because it reminds me that I don't have a sketch of Wonder <laughs> Woman from Becky Cloonan. Right? Um, that's that's the only reason. All in all, I did enjoy this book and. Paul, will you be picking up number two? You know what? It, it's a fun anthology. It really depends on the week it comes out, if I remember it, um, if I see it and pick it up. I do like these like little one-off characters. I do like Wonder Woman. I've only really liked the Greg Rucka series, and then also the... Uh, the Brian Azzarello, Cliff Brian Chang. Brian Azzarello. Yeah. Cliff Chang, because Cliff Chang blew it out of the park with the redesigns of the old gods. Like... You know, Hades being a small child with the candle head helmet thing. Yeah, so many cool designs. The look of Mercury being like this elongated, very alien-looking uh, creature. So much but fun. Asriello really knocked that out of the park with that oh, yeah. book, too. Yeah. Like, it was just like the perfect storm of both those guys working perfectly together. Teaming up Wonder Woman with Orion with the new gods and then that fight going on. Yeah, it was it was well, and I, I have the absolute edition like, because I yeah. thought Chang's so artwork is like, fantastic, but just the way that he drew Orion, like that's how I see that character now. And then if I see him drawn a different way, I'm just like, no, like that doesn't that doesn't track, that doesn't fit. Hashtag not my Orion. Yeah. That makes me angry. Urgh. Yeah. Grab your belt, because <laughs> um, it's not a rhyme. 
So I before we head into my books, we do have The Last of the Four Turtles. Uh, and this beer definitely makes me want to be a party dude. Uh, again, 6.0% ABV. Uh, this is Nunchucks, the Michelangelo-inspired beer. And this is an orange creamsicle cheesecake. Yeah. And as I was pouring it, I was like, oh, like, what's that like what's that smell? And like I sniffed it and I couldn't like quite place it. Even though like I had the can in front of me, like it's been a while since I've actually like looked at these because they've just been sitting in my fridge for so long. And then I took a sip of it and I was just like, Oh my gosh, it's just a nice bright like tart orange taste to it. And then you get that nice cinnamony mm-hmm. graham cracker on the back. I wanna say you took a sip of it. You went an audible mmm on the podcast, then you laughed and covered your mouth. I just want to say that's that's what I witnessed. I, I appreciate. And Paul Wait. was dr- Paul was droning on about something, and you were like, mmm. Oh, like I was like a uh, small Japanese uh, schoolgirl with a sm- extra small backpack. Yeah, I was that kind again, of laugh. Um, they've just been hanging out. Like I do remember what. They were like I bought them, but it's been a while. Um, holy crap! I'm having a hard time telling if I like this one or the twin side. Wait, no, uh, the bow staff. The bow staff. The wild berry. I think more. the. I think the bow staff is better than this mm-hmm. because you get more flavors out of it. You get that cinnamon. You got that cheesecake. You got that berry. This one also very good. This is my number two out of these four. It smells the like orange. Tang. It does that's, smell like that's tang. what it is. I, that's gonna, what, I had to like sniff it again. The orange creamsicle taste is there, but it's just one note of orange. See, where the other one I think had a so, couple more layers to it. I think where I think that's why I like that one better. The, but this one also, we're talking like really yeah. good beer really good beer like i think the wild berry works well because you do have like that layer like that berry and then like that cinnamon like like that crust to it i think with the orange creamsicle like the orange to that cinnamon it's not like that big of a jump to make so they kind of like i don't want to say blur but they blend a little bit more like there's no break in the flavor like it just kind of like it fades I mean, into I, it. It fucking tastes like an orange creamsicle. Like, it's delicious. <laughs> I would like a little bit more vanilla on it to get that yeah. creamsicle. It's it's a bright, it's a very bright, big orange flavor. And then it's almost like yeah, a it's like an orange, more spice end. It, it's like an orange crust. And then after that, like, someone, yeah. like, blows cinnamon in your face. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not getting that creamsicle, that vanilla-y, lactose kind of flavor to it. And yeah, I, I'll agree with John. I think uh, Bo Staff is a little bit better because of the the evolution of the flavors. You know, you, you got the big wild berry, you got some cinnamon, some spice flavors, and then it fi- finishes up with that biscuity kind of malt or whatever biscuity flavor it is. I feel like I'm getting the vanilla. It does. It is like that sip. It's like orange crush, but then that follow up, like right behind that. I get that vanilla. Like I don't know if it's just me, but I get it. Like, uh, this, I don't get, I don't get any cinnamon that yeah, you I guys are talking about. Yeah, I'm getting more spice. See, I'm not like getting that spice. Like, 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 like a nutmeggy. Like, 
Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe if I uh, check the document, uh, all my know. spice might be on the bottom of my can. Let me check. There you go. Mm-hmm. Check the document. Make sure you, you put it up there. You know, like three weeks well, ago. John, why are you looking for the spice? It doesn't fucking matter. You didn't check it anyway. I didn't so check it because it doesn't he called, matter. You called an audible. Like two days ago, saying that we were. Hey, nobody read. Sweet did anybody read Sweet Tooth? I read the first issue. <laughs> yeah, seven years ago. Seven years ago. All I know is I went to go read it and I realized Sweet Tooth was like four volumes. It was the omnibus version that I had bought, and I was like, "Ugh, I don't know where to call to break this." Plus, I'm watching the TV series slowly, and I don't want to read the comic book and ruin. <laughs> The enjoyment that I'm having with Sweet Tooth is now, like, dark and depressing versus this kind of, like, wonderment child growing kind of story. I didn't want to ruin it for myself. And to be like, so read you the want first to read... six issues. I just think it fits because none of us really care about Sweet Tooth anyways. I just thought because the show was coming out, we should read it. Right. It's been so long since I read Sweet Tooth when we did originally for Look Back. Like, I really don't remember much about it, but the show oh, looks The show's good. really good. So I say we don't read Sweet Tooth and just watch the show. See, I was going to read Sweet Tooth and then watch, like, at least the first episode just so I could talk about it, but... Yeah. Let's not do that. I don't want... I don't want the book to ruin the show. <laughs> I'm still... I'm still gonna. Right. Where you stepped on my so segue, John, I'm gonna go back to it. None of that happened. John, mm. while you're looking for the spice <laughs> in the bottom of your can, uh, I'm looking forward to talking about our next book, which, guys, we're getting to that time of life now where all of our favorite DC comic book superheroes are celebrating their 80th anniversaries. Um, so we now have the Green Arrow 80th anniversary. 100-page special coming out from DC Comics. Um, 12 stories, and like I kind of said up before at the beginning of the show, uh, spread all throughout Green Lantern, or sorry, Green Arrow's publishing history. Like, if you have a favorite era of Green Arrow, there's a story in this book for you. Um, broken into 12. You got. You just, we'll go through it, kind of like we did Wonder Woman. Just, like, hit mm-hmm. him up. Because um, very first one, The Green Arrow. Uh, Mariko Tamaki, art by Javier Rodriguez. This is just your kind of normal, like, pulp Green Arrow story. Uh, Green Arrow and Speedy are off to stop someone that's robbing banks, jewelry stores, and then just disappearing. And then they use all of their trick arrows to find out who who it was. Uh, and then it kind of has one of those, like, oh, Henry endings where they, they use disappearing arrows. So now the villain who was disappearing can't trace the arrows back to them. Uh, I loved the art in this book and the colors. Like, the colors... The colorist makes this ish, this story. Because, like you said, it's just that, like, say there, chum, don't talk so loud while I'm driving. You know, like, it just kind of has those beats. But the the panel layouts, the colors, it just it looks so good. Uh, you, you like it because it looks like the 
Uh, New Frontier? Oh my gosh. Uh, not so much New Frontier. I was thinking Daredevil. Oh, Paulo Rivera? Yeah, I guess it does look... Paulo. Yeah, I can see that. Because it's very, it's very like, pulpy, like, very clean, like, um, Franco, Francovilla, like, just that, like, nice, like, stark blacks, clean lines. Uh, not my favorite story. No, in I would agree. Uh, but again, this is where Green Arrow came from. And again, I picked this just because I was like, oh, I don't really have any books to talk about. And I was like, well, this is something that I was thinking about picking up. And then after reading that one, I was like, uh, I don't know how the guys are going to feel about this. But then as soon as we get into the next one, uh, Punching Evil by Tom Taylor, uh, art by Nicola Scott, and it's got Wildcat in it. I'm like, okay, well, at least Paul <laughs> will like this one. Yep, because there's a line in this that I absolutely loved. Hey, Batman. Hey, Green Arrow. Hey, long time no see. Yeah. How's your arrow car <laughs> and the arrow cave? Ooh. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, because Green Arrow is basically a ripoff of Batman. Uh, <laughs> and there's multiple and the reason Green multiple Arrow- instances of that in this book too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I love that Green Arrow is only really doing this uh, to try to impress Diana, the Black Canary, and that and the Black Canary wants him to do this because she's like, oh, if he gets into a fistfight, he dead. Like, so yeah. Uh, this is Ed, that. Can you help him out? This is that every superhero has gone through the wildcat fighting training kind of thing, <laughs> and he's doing it. And he's like, you know what? I don't need. Uh, I don't need this. I shoot arrows for a living, bub. Like, I don't need this. And then um, wildcat breaks all of his arrows. Be like, now what do you do? And he's like, hmm. Uh, but then this <laughs> alien bug creature comes in, zaps uh, Wildcat in the head, and this is where we get Green Arrow's signature punching glove uh, arrow, because he throws a, a boxing glove on an arrow and uh, shoots <laughs> shoots the dude in the face and knocks him out. Um, the art is great in this. I really enjoyed this story. I thought it was a lot of fun. I love, like, I did not see the the boxing glove arrow coming out of the end of this. It, it seems like it, it should really? have been like, no, I didn't either. Like, it seems like that should have been, like, the first thing that springs to mind. Like, oh, a Ted Grant boxer giving him, like, boxing lessons. But no, it, it didn't click. And even though there's, like, literally a boxing glove in every single <laughs> panel of this story, it didn't click until, like, he takes the arrow and he, like, stabs into it. And I'm like, oh, that's what they're doing. I thought it was just going to be that it's because the Wildcat uh, Black Canary connection, those two have always had a connection. Um, Justice League Unlimited told me that. Uh, but. Um, but I thought it was going to be just these two guys having this bout of, like, you need to learn how to fight. You need this. You can't just be a guy with trick arrows. But then in the end, he wins with the trick arrow. Like, I just loved how it kind of all came around. And again, this is, like, one of the best-looking stories in this book. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, the next story, which is who watches the... Uh, is it 
the watchtower. The Sorry, watch like tower. the the prince real small. Uh, that's okay. Uh, and this is the story about Green Arrow being put on monitor duty on the Watchtower satellite, uh, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Chris Moodyham, and it's basically Green Arrow having a hissy fit because he's not being allowed to go on the mission with the rest of the Justice League, and he's being stuck on the satellite. But then aliens attack the satellite, and it's up to him to kind of like defend them. Uh, when I first started reading this, I was like, uh, okay, because it has that super 70s. It's very yeah. Neil Adams. And I was like, ugh, I'm not going to, ugh, uh, he's, having, he's a little bitch, I'm not going to like this. This is my favorite story out of the book. Uh, I, I'm surprised, but uh. this is, when I think about Green Arrow, and again, like, been reading Green Arrow for years, like, really jumping on with the like 2000s quiver arc because it was written by Kevin Smith but I always just have that flashback to my uh, superpowers green arrow action figure which looks just like this because it was done off of like the super friends cartoon like this is my green arrow even though I was not alive during this like publishing run I didn't read comics until like 10 years after this but when I think about Green Arrow, this is what I close my eyes and see. Yeah, the tricorner hat with the little with the feather and goatee, badass, badass. Yeah, it's it's isn't it? A, it's a it's like a Van Dyke, right? When the with the beard mustache. and the yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they're all out there having playing Space Rangers, and he's stuck watching the Watch Hour aliens invade, and he has to and he take does. them all I out. I just love like. Does. Because he's like, hey, Kevin, come on. Oh, good, some action. And then he shoots them all with arrows. They explode. And he's just like, nailed it. Like, did it. And then this other guy <laughs> pops up and he's like, oh, fuck. Stabs the dude in the eye with his bow. Then grabs, he's like. He's like, someone's going to owe me a new bow. He picks up like this magical <laughs> bow. And he's like, I don't know. This is from uh, Tumbuktu or this is that alien warlord's bow. I don't know. But it's going to get the job done. And. Yeah, I hope it does something cool. And then he like he oh, blows cool. he blows everything up. He kills them all. He wins. And then they show that bow back like he's taped all the glass back together because everything's been destroyed <laughs> with with not just duct tape, yeah, but with green tape. Of course, like green duct tape. It's like on brand, on brand. <laughs> Uh, and then he totally plays it off Kevin McAllister style, like, "Oh, what did he do while we were while you were home alone there, Kevin?" He's like, "Nothing much. Did the laundry, went grocery shopping, you know." Uh, usual. I, I just thought this was. I just had a lot of fun with the story. Like, there's, I think almost every single story out of this story is great. The next story, not one of my favorite, but also Longbow Hunter wasn't my favorite. Yeah story i understand why it's in here and i'm glad that we read that for a trade and policy so then i know what this is referencing um but yeah this this one's this one's like one of my favorite stories in it because it just was fun it just captured green arrow i i'm just happy that john says he's happy that we read it for a trade and policy because at the time he hated that i made him read it for 
I'm happy that I read it. You're happy that because I have because I have this. Okay, that's all I'm saying. You know, sometimes we read the Dark Phoenix saga. I'm still not happy. So we understand the historical. (laughs) Eventually, you'll get there because you were the same way with Longbow Hunter. You're like, ah, this story. I just don't care. It's just when we get into this one, which, um. Just the usual sort of stuff written and drawn by Mike Grell, who did the Longwell Hunter stuff. This, as much as I said, like, I think of that 1970s Super Friends, like, Superpowers, uh, Neil Adams, Green Arrow, as my Green Arrow. Like, this one is not. Like, it's him with the hood, like, paling around with Shadow. Like, there wasn't a lot in this one for me, even though, like... I guess it's in line with what the Longbow Hunters Green Arrow is. Like, getting to the end of it, I'm like, okay, this is for that subsection of Green Arrow fans. It's You it's can't not do an anthology book right. about Green Arrow and not have somebody tackle that storyline. And if you're going to have somebody have it, tackle have it, it, be the guy. <laughs> you, it's awesome that they got my yeah. Crow back to do it because I, I think it's worth the read because of that if you were a longbow hunter fan like I'm like oh more of that and it is more of that it's he's getting frisky with Diana at the beginning of the book you know just like that was happening constantly in longbow hunter and yeah then he's out there well, using actual arrows you know as and soon as, no soon as I turned that page boom I knew I knew what it was you know you just know that yeah. that Arts, mm-hmm. yeah, it is iconic. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it, we all read it. It probably was my one of my least favorite <laughs> stories in here. I think it probably is my least favorite story in here. Um, I'm glad it's. I think it needs to be there for the ADS because Longbow Hunter is one the one one of those comic book runs that people point to, being like, "Hey, this is a quintessential," you know comic book run i think if we were going to pick our quintessential comic book run it would be either quiver or but that's you would paul you would have the jeff lemire andrea that would be that would be mine that was more my mine i bought all those issues i don't think you know what i think i yeah i think that's more john's i i think i would go with the oh who was who came the um hunter's quest or where he's getting the ring, oh, he's putting together the a ring Brad for Meltzer. Diana. The Brad Meltzer run. I can't yeah. remember who's doing out on that now. Hero's Quest or something like yeah. that, or Arch- an Archer's Quest, Archer's Quest. Um, yeah, and he's like, I need to find my diamond tip arrow, and he finds it and makes it into wedding ring. And, you know, that I think that's my quintessential I, Green Arrow run. I, and we get the the Kevin Smith quiver is the book that made me love this character and i've read the stories before and after i've appreciated them we probably gave you a hard time about longbow hunter i the conversation probably was yes this is something people call out that you're supposed to read we've read it we don't like it we appreciate it but it we didn't like it uh you didn't really appreciate it i like no, this is old. Not, Why would you that, read this? I do not believe that is anything we would have said. I would have said this isn't this. We understand why people like this story. This isn't our Green Arrow. 
Um, But yeah, I think Quiver is definitely, that's the thing that introduced me. That's the thing that if I were to hand off Green Arrow to somebody. Uh, I I would not because I went back and tried to reread that. And it is so steeped in the DC universe of that time that it's like, oh, if you're not like a comics fan or like even like a pseudo lapsed comics fan that knows like what they're making reference to, like it's... It's yeah, dense. It's got great. It's got Hal Jordan as. Yeah, I guess you do have to be part it's, of. It's you got, have to have knowledge uh, of what Etcher, was. Yeah, you got Etrigan. That. Yeah. You got Etrigan. Well, it was perfect for there. me. You got. Uh, yeah, that, that's yeah, the thing. Perf- <laughs> when it came out, it was like a really great story that worked and because it's the reason he's back is because Hal Jordan felt guilty about him being dead and resurrects him. Like, yeah, that's why I think. Mike Winter Central Run is like either the Archer's Quest or leading up to uh, Green Arrow Black Canary's wedding yeah. special. Like that, I do like run. the Jeff Lemire, Andrew Sarantino. Like I read all of that, and as soon as he, they were done, that like that book was crap until they took over it, and then when they left it, it was crap again. Because right after that is when they made him into a werewolf. Like yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was son. a werewolf. He was. He was I was a werewolf for a while. That, but um, I. What does that have to do with arrows? <laughs> Not a lot, but <laughs> that was the best uh, delivery the, you've the, ever done. And Not a lot. <laughs> uh, the next story, I don't have a lot to say about. I feel like this is supposed to be like the new fifty-two Oliver Queen because he's like. The young kid on the yacht, like just like shooting arrows out into like nothing, and then it kind of like circles back. Like he's learning lessons, like he's become a man. Uh, the arrow in the song, writer uh, Ram V, after a Longfellow poem, artist Christopher Min. It's not bad, but this one didn't do anything for me. Like even just talking about all the other green arrow stories that we like kind of was more entertaining for me than that one. Um, yeah. I read wonder woman, uh, black and gold. And then I read this one next and I read this issue and I'm like, Oh, okay. This is a wrap up. You know, it's like poetry. It's like free form. Just kind of like getting the vague characteristics of who this character is now, because you were like, you were saying, Chris, I'm like, Oh, the young kid, he's just throwing arrows off. Oh, this is getting people ready for you know if they want to pick up the next issue of Green Arrow. This this is who he is now. And then the book kept going, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's more to this. Yeah. So I kind of like kind of breezed through it. It was okay. Yeah, it was just not that. That's kind of one of those 80th anniversary filler ones for me, where it's like, oh, this is probably speaks to someone. Who, who's a Green Arrow fan of that era, but it didn't do anything for me. And then it's followed by like a weird lessons in friendship from Oliver Queen, which is kind of just clips and moments from Oliver Queen's history. And it's like a funny quip underneath it, like him talking to Batman, and then it's underneath it's like, oh, well, always listen to other people. Like, there's nothing on those two pages that makes me feel like it needs to be in here no in it's pretty book. bad i do enjoy the uh bitch slap from aquaman to him though but... 
that's that's, yeah. that's fine. Um, no, I, I, I like just, that was like a stopping point for me because at, up until then I'm like, okay, like they're taking from all of Oliver Queen's history and they're paying homage to it. Like they're telling new stories using like the actual creators that told these stories before. And it's, it's well done. Like I get it. And then you get this kind of slapped together, like copy paste yeah. job. I and thought it just seemed to just be, I thought this was cheap. the end of the book. Cause I got to it. And I was like, yeah, I, huh. I, I and I just kind of kept thinking, I was like, Oh, there's more. And, uh, the only one that I was actually excited to see in that was where they had the Amanda Connor, um, like Oliver Queen, like Dinah Lassing. I was like, oh yeah, like they had like the wedding special book. Like that was a lot of fun. I don't, I don't remember too much about it, but that was really cool. And we do kind of have like another story that almost harkens back to that later on. Um, but it's just like a weird interlude. That didn't it, do anything it, for it me. It halted the book. Like I said, I was like, oh, it's over. Thumb, thumb, thumb. Oh, story's still going. Because I was like, I started to read it and I was like, I don't think I need to read this. And then I was so glad it was over with. But yeah, it really, it really stops the momentum of this book of really good Green Arrow stories. Like even the worst Green Arrow story, aside from A Lesson in Friendship is still a good Green Arrow story within the history of Green yeah. Arrow. Uh, and then it kind of pulled me back in, though, because after speaking about last week, how I'm excited that uh, Connor Hawks appearing over in Robin, we actually get a Connor Hawks story. And I didn't know the creative team on this one until we got to the end, but starting it off... I really thought this was Greg Capullo on art because it kind of has like oh. his line work to it almost like just with his like character design and just kind of like the, I don't want to say weird proportions, but there's like somewhat exaggerated like edginess to everybody that I would have sworn this was Greg Capullo. But then like further on in, I'm like, when you see Connor kind of like leaping through the, like the rubble, like, shooting the arrows off. I'm like, oh, well, maybe that's not him. Um, let me skip Jorge ahead, Corona. Call the creative team. Art. On this one. Jorge Corona, who actually did um, the Umbrella Academy I'm blanking on his name. Seance. Book. I, I don't we, know. No, we read it. We, we did read it. For, we read the first uh, one. A couple months ago. Like, no, no, we I read the first trade for a look yeah. back. Um, yeah, it was the Umbrella Academy to Seance. Yeah, the the Seance. I can't remember his like the the kid's actual name. Uh, but this is one uh, written by Brandon Thomas, art by Jorge Corona. Um, and this is just Connor Hawk taking out a bunch of bad guys who have taken hostages with one arrow that just like keeps bouncing back into his hand, and then he fires it off again. Uh, again. That version of Oliver Queen's always going to be my Green Arrow, but when I got back into reading comics, Oliver Queen was dead. Connor Hawk was the Green Arrow, and he was like the illegitimate son. He couldn't use trick arrows; he would only do like the actual, like bladed arrows. He was raised by monks. He was a badass. Um, 
I really dug this story. I think this is uh, one of my favorite. This is definitely up there. This is this Connor Hawk uh, in Die Hard. He's in a. He's trying to rescue. <laughs> he's trying to rescue um, hostages. He's taking out these guys, but something explodes and he almost falls out of the building. And he's kind of like, oh, uh, what would Oliver do? I guess I would uh, use this grappling hook thing that he has. And if you notice in that picture, all of his arrows fall out of his quiver. So this is the only one he has, which is like mm-hmm. the the bounce back or the like almost like a boomerang one because he just it hits people and then it bounces back to him. Yeah, and he takes out everybody. And even like the guy's like he shoots and hits the guy and he's like, uh, you, you think you're going to take me out that way? And then he's like, uh, yeah. And he <laughs> just like takes the guy out, takes him out at the knees just destroys that guy and even before he's he's let loose it's a thing he's like hostages are safe boom takes the guy out like it's a it is a really good fun issue it is really fun to see a person with the command of what they're uh you know throwing or what they're shooting just amazingly accomplish a feat like let's say you were a disc golf thrower and you just nailed a a, a uh, field oh you got that you got it over that mando feet away <laughs> and you get and you get past the mando and you're in the hole it's amazing it's just it's great to see and that's that's what uh connor hawk's doing here just i like uh that he, yeah the villain's like how is that supposed to hurt me he bounces it off the ground into his jaw, and at the same time, he lands a punch above him. So he's getting hit from both sides uh, with that trick arrow. It's it is fun. It is uh, that's the kind of green arrow stories that I would want to be reading, like just him, you know, Connor Hawk or Oliver Queen, just very um, gymna- gymnastic, what uh, acrobatic. That's the word I'm trying to think of. Uh, using arrows and just being good, you know, like a like a James Conrad of uh, of superheroes. Uh, I'm I'm more interested in the Roy Harper of superheroes with our next story, uh, Green Man and Autumn Sun, written by Devin Grayson, who is one of my favorite Nightwing writers, who I haven't seen on a lot of books recently. Uh, art by Max Fumiara. Uh, and this is a Roy Harper, a.k.a. Arsenal story, where he's basically telling his daughter, Leanne, a bedtime story that she's already heard multiple times. But it's an approximation of his origin story. And as I was going through reading this, I was like, wait, do I not actually know Roy Harper's no, origin you, story. You didn't, and then like I, I just did like I just did like a Google search, and I got like to the DCU like Wikipedia, and I was like, oh, I actually don't because I just know he was young ward of Oliver Queen, who he found doing an archery contest. Uh, but lo and behold, like he was actually like an orphan child that like a park ranger that was brought into like a Navajo tribe and then like raised amongst them. Like I, I did not know that because so much of what I know about Roy Harper is just like that. Like, Oh, I was the failed teen sidekick. Like I had substance use problems. 
I got better, Teen Titans, here I am. Now I'm edgy. Um, but that was enough for me because I always we, just thought he we was We never cool. read a Speedy uh, book. Like, we never read a book with Speedy. We yeah. know the cover of him doing heroin on the cover. Like, you know that yeah. cover, but we, mm-hmm. aside from when he shows up and he's, you know, I, I think my first real arsenal was um, the Outsider book by Judd, Judd Winnick is really yeah. when I was like, oh, okay, he's the same as Speedy. He's grown up. He had problems. He's edgy, quote unquote. Uh, yeah, like I, I didn't really know, nor did I care. He was just the sidekick to Green Arrow. That's his past. And um, no, this was an interesting book because it is him telling the story through the phone to his daughter, who, yes, she's heard it a thousand times, but somebody is there watching it, and you don't get it till the end, like towards the end, that it's uh, it's Oliver uh, watching her. Well, even like where there's the moment like where they do come to like the fact that yeah he was on the smack and like Leanne's like yeah daddy did drugs and like you don't know it's Oliver at the time he's like wait he told you about that and he's like yeah daddy believes in honesty like she, she's a smart kid you know what would you expect from <laughs> daughter of like teenage sidekick superhero and uh world's like most lethal assassin like. She knows what's up. Um, I I really dug this one more in, than I thought I would enjoy. Like a speedy slash arsenal slash uh, Roy Harper backup in a Green Arrow 80th anniversary special. Like if this was the Roy Harper that we were getting in like the DC universe constantly, I feel like I would like him a lot more and read him a lot more like but the Roy Harper we gets like the Outsiders or um, what was that book where it was like Red Hood and the Outlaws Red Hood yeah it's just them like oh yeah we're the people that nobody likes like we're gonna do whatever we want like I do like that book but this is Red Arrow this is the character we got that Brad Metzler introduced us to when he created his justice league and then they tried that rise and fall of red arrow which you were like yeah i'm on board for this brad metzler just did this great run like he's this character i really really like and then they did that and then they took his arm away and then they finished that book when he had like a robot arm or he got his arm back or whatever and then it was like well we're gonna shut the book on red arrow and we won't talk about him for years and then he pops up as the um, I, I, you were the worst sidekick. No, you were the worst sidekick in Red Hood and the Outlaws. And he was fun in that book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I like this character. This is the Roy Harper. This yeah. is the Red Arrow. This is the Arsenal, whatever you want to call him. Like, this is the version of him I want. I'm a father first, a superhero second, and I'm actually a pretty good dad. Like, I liked this. And, yeah, I wish we got more mm-hmm. of this character in the DCU, but it, DC is just such a I, it's such a mess. Like, they just don't know what to do with these characters. And I think when they do have somebody who knows what to do, they just don't give them the time or day to do it. It's very true. Uh, uh, yeah, 
I like Roy Harper actually being good at what he's yeah. doing instead of what we have read, which was the rise and fall, which was just awful. Like they were just kicking the guy while he was down. It was not fun to read. So, uh, did you have more yeah. fun reading Star City Star, uh, written and drawn by Phil Hester, who was the artist on that uh, the Quiver arc by uh, Kevin Smith, continued on through uh, with the um, Brad Meltzer stuff, and then into the Judd Winnick run. So he he has a long storied history over on Green Arrow. So this is very much like yeah. early two thousand. And this is our only mention of Mia Dearden in this book, who I honestly forgot about because she was speedy uh, to that early 2000s uh, Queen. Mm-hmm. But then we also get the return. She was the one, Mia's the one that was a pos- that was the uh, Judd Winnick positive issue, yes. right? The, uh, where she's HIV positive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we also get the return of kind of like Kevin Smith created fan favorite villain Onomatopoeia. Who only speaks in sounds. Um, so if he's about to smash you with a hammer, he'll say smash as he's hitting you. Uh, really fun kind of, you know, 1960s Batman villain shtick there. Um, but ultimately it turns out, like, Ollie's aware that, like, no, like, everything I'm seeing is not real. Like, there's no way, you know, Onomatopoeia would be working like, with somebody else. Like, he's a solo show. Like, oh, Count Vertigo is not going to be taking commands from somebody else. Like, oh, like... I'm not going to be able to dodge that like from Diana, steal Connor's bow, and take this arrow out of yeah. Roy's bag. So, he, he knows something's up, which just kind of makes me think, like, okay, is this character that we're introduced to at the end that's kind of, like, masterminding all this star... Someone that has appeared before in like more recent Green Arrow stuff that I haven't seen, or is this something that they're setting up to come later? I don't know, but I did like this story because it plays in that sandbox of Green Arrow that I was really on board for. Like after Quiver, I read all the Meltzer stuff. I read all the Judd Winnick stuff. Like Green Arrow was on the top of all of my pull lists because. I I liked this character. I'm going to say this. Uh, I like this story, but I also like this story back in the 19, 1999, maybe early 2000s, uh, when it was like the epilogue uh, episode of Batman, uh, Batman Beyond, where Amanda Waller's talking to Terry McGinnis about how Batman saved a young girl that could manipulate reality. And make Batman see whatever she wanted him to see, Ace from uh, the Royal Flush Gang. And uh, he's like, you know what? Ace, you're dying, and I'm just going to sit with you. Like, you feel that I understand the pain you're going through? Because that's what Oliver Queen is doing here. It's like, hey, you've seen my mind. You know what? You know I've seen this pain before. You know I understand it. And... Uh, I can empathize with you. So I, I feel like it's just a yeah, redux of that. I, I, I would agree. That uh, that's a story that I've seen. And um, that's, a I believe, a Justice League Unlimited, isn't it? I thought it was Batman Beyond, and it's the epilogue. Because it's Terry McGinnis 
confronting Amanda Waller, being like, that's, "Well, I can't believe I'm the clone of that, Bruce Wayne." I think that's... and then she says, "Justice League Unlimited." Oh, yeah. is it okay? Uh, yeah, that's called. It was uh, I think it was like two episodes. It's not it was an epilogue. Called, was yeah. that epilogue or was that like Once in Future? Uh, yeah. Uh, but oh, it might be once this, in the future. Okay, well, I know we talked about our this, previously, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just saying uh, it, feels ex- it, it feels exactly like it because this set like felt that. very reminiscent. Paul, I couldn't put it till you said till you said that. I was like, oh yeah, it is. But this character of Star, who's this little girl that he saves, is three stories ago in this, who hit him in the head with the suction cup arrow at the end of that prose book. Like she mm-hmm. is a character. So this is probably his story of how he brought her into the family and possibly the, his now adopted daughter. But yeah, she, she appears earlier in this book. And, um, but yeah, it, she's obviously somebody who, who fits, but again, like the art is so reminiscent of quiver. I, I, I didn't look to see if it was the same artist. I think it, it has to it has to be it right. Yeah, Phil Phil Hester. John, John took a break while uh, I Paul ran and to I go pee, and uh, I had to. Chris also ran yeah. to go pee as well. Um, but yeah, and then that takes us into the the next story, which is named Happy Anniversary. Happy Anniversary, which is talking about Justice League Unlimited. It's good. It's not as good as Double Date. It's not, but there's a fun where it's a fun little like premise where it, Green Arrow gets kidnapped, and Dinah thinks this is all part of their anniversary. But like, this is their like, ooh, I've got a mystery to solve, and then just like, no, like he's legit been kidnapped by like, Deathstroke. Like at the end of National Treasure, where the girl he says to Nick Cage, I, I gives him a uh, a cat. A card, and she's like, "It's a map," and he's like, "A map to to what?" And she's like, "You'll find out." And they kind of frolic off to the uh, the house because I just watched National Treasure again. Because as I mentioned before, today is July third. <laughs> it's what the founding fathers would. It's what they would have wanted. Um, this is a fun story. I like this one. Um, this is definitely the kind of thing I would expect to read. In an anniversary special, um, it's got Dinah in it. It's got Deathstroke, who I consider to be one of Ollie's like top tier villains, um, even more so than like Count Vertigo, who we saw in the last one. Uh, I am glad we get Merlin coming up in another story. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's fun. I don't have a lot to say about it though, just because like, it's, it's it's a short one. Yeah. It gets the job done. It's fun, and it's the moments that you you like between all of those characters, and it looks gorgeous. This is a great looking book. Uh, what is it, Otto Sch- Schmidt? Yeah, Otto Schmidt. Uh, the Sympathy of the Woods, uh, written by Benjamin Percy, oh, by Otto Schmidt. This is one of my favorites because this is very much like the Green Arrow family book, and I wish it was a little bit more like. My Green Arrow family, like you know, yeah. Roy, Dinah, uh, like Mia, but yeah, I, I have no complaints about this one at all because I, I love Otto Schmidt's art. Um, 
I wish he did more actual comic book artwork because he does a lot of covers and pinup stuff, but his style is just gorgeous. I only watched the Arrow television show when it like crossed over with The Flash. So I felt like, oh, I'm like, this is the book for, this is a story for the people that like the Arrow television show because it's yeah. got Diggle, it's got, um, what's, uh, I forget her name. Uh, you know, anyways, they're in the story. Uh, at the very beginning, I'm like, oh, this is a retired Oliver Queen. He's like, went and just like decided to live up in a tree, you know, and retire out in the woods. And um, then, like, a couple panels later, it's, like, Diggle and all of them, and they're all young. And I'm like, oh, so it's not him old and retired. I think this is What's the current book. Because I think they added Diggle to the series. And, like, the nerdy scientist guy is from the beginning of the New 52. Because he was kind of a part of... He got with Jeff Lemire's run, they kind of wrote him out, did his run. And then I think he came back after Jeff Lemire's run. Well, cause this is the first one in this book too, that has Emiko in it. And she's from Jeff the Lemire. Oh, that's uh, Jeff yeah. Lemire. Right. Yeah. She's it's his sister. Like, so I was like, okay, yeah, this is sister. A... Yeah. Yeah. And arrow has a sister in, the Arrow CB, CW show. Yeah, she's his half. Yeah, CW show. So. In the in the comic book, but yeah, yeah. This was it was it was interesting. I would have liked a better Green Arrow taking on Merlin, who's the better archer. Than all of a sudden the family showing up and beating, like, oh, you think you're going to shoot an arrow? Ha ha! I'm at the, I'm next to you. Punch like, you know where you get that. Long bow hunter. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the the book. Uh, this book looks beautiful. Um, again, it's not really my my Green Arrow, um, but I, I didn't. This is this is my Green Arrow adjacent, though. So I I, I, really I did too. Like it. I said, there wasn't really anything out of place that I that I hated in this book. Um, and then you have. The Last Green Arrow Story by Jeff Lemire and Andre Sorrentino um, coming back together to finish to finish their, their great run on um, Green Arrow. And this is Ollie as an old man going back to going back to the island um, where somebody's been hiding out and holding the arrow um, it's well because like Everybody, it was Chris. It's kind of like uh, Way of the Rat, where everybody had a totem. Yeah, a it, totem. It's way of the Rat, like there's different. Yeah, there's different like clans, and they, and they had different totems. Yeah. And if you held the arrow totem, you were the best at shooting arrows. And he gets it at the end and runs the clan. And um, but yeah, it's kind of a. It's it was good to see that those two guys came back to do a final story. Didn't super make sense as a character that looks like him, which. Maybe it's his father because uh, his father had the, the the looked like the traditional Oliver Queen with the Van Dyke, and then he gets the arrow and then he burns up in a fire. Like, it, it well, it says everything comes full circle, so I just assumed it's that weird comic bookness where oh, 
he's been trapped on the island. He'll escape and he'll be Green Arrow because and then he, when he's an old man, he'll come back and then yeah, is it the phoenix? The, the phoenix rising again. Escape the island. And the son becomes, yeah, becomes the father. The son becomes the father. Oh, that's just weird Oedipus kind of stuff. But, uh, oh, it looks... Uh, do you want to talk about the recipe? <laughs> Sorry, John. No, it, it's... Oh, the recipe. It was... Which is not a Texas... This is not a well, Texas I, I, I feel like I, I cut off John. Um, I, I like this one, even though I didn't, like, keep up on the Jeff Lemire Green Arrow. Like, it was kind of good jumping back into it because there's, like those blocks of like bright color that kind of punctuate everything then I'm like oh yeah that's like a great design choice and I do remember seeing some of that over in the I Vampire book too um gorgeous book like I really like this story a lot um I just wish it had a little bit more relevance for yeah. me but I just didn't I didn't keep up on this iteration of Green Arrow even though I it wasn't anything against it. I liked it, but I just didn't, didn't keep reading. Um, I love those. I love these two guys getting together because I think they work great. And Andrea Sarantino's art is just always phenomenal. How he does his, like you said, how he does his page breakouts and everything are always great. His use of colors, everything is so good. Um, I just love seeing his art. Like he just really, one of my favorite artists, I think, of all time. Uh, but yeah, the chili recipe at the end. Anybody gonna make this? <laughs> so, um, I really no, want because to because it's not Texas chili. Sorry, what? It's not Texas chili. I'm, I'm not gonna make it. it. Doesn't say it has tomatoes and it has beans. It doesn't say it's a Texas chili. It's a uh, Ali stupendous chili recipe, just like Mom used to make. And this oh, is when when are you again? Mr. Like the I'm a Texas chili guy. I'm a Texas you're not, chili. You're not guy. eating. You're not eating beans. <laughs> I, with if chili? I'm gonna make a chili. No, I chili I don't like beans, beans chili, but you know chili doesn't. Mean, I don't like beans, but you know what? I love me a chili. You know what? And you if like, there's beans in it, you know what you would like? Chi- it's chili. You know, you know what you would like, Chris? <laughs> if you don't like beans, the Texas chili. Um, I I'm just intrigued by this. Uh, this is script by Scott McCuller, art by Patrick Gleason. This seems just like a decent recipe. They're playing it off. Um. Like, the rest of the Justice League can't handle this chili. Uh, Martian Manhunter's breaking down, says, Fire, it tastes like fire, moons of Mars. Uh, Aquaman's crying, water, give me water. Green Lantern, I don't have enough willpower to eat this. Flash is fanning the bull with his hand, saying, Thanks, Ali, now I'll have something to use against Captain Cold. Superman is blowing his spoon with his frost breath. Uh, Batman's able to eat it, of Batman. course, because he's Batman. It says, "Could you?" Because I'm Batman. Could use more crackers. Um, it. Looking at the recipe, though, it doesn't sound like it would be obnoxiously hot. There's three different types of chili powder in there, and then uh, Tabasco to uh, to taste. To yeah, taste. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it. I'm. I do want to make this chili just because it's kind of fun. I've never bought a comic book that had. A recipe for anything in it before. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's interesting. I, I look forward to making it. I just have to go buy stuff because I do have chili like powder 
I have um, like cumin. I have cumin. I have paprika. I have like hot sauce. I don't have Tabasco sauce because yeah, yeah, Tabasco. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's Frank. You have Franks. Yeah, because oh, you're oh, not yeah, a savage. Yeah, obviously. Um, so I'll need to go shopping, but I do want to make this just because I think it's fun, and then it's something to talk about on the podcast. Okay, if you make it, I'll make it. Begrudgingly. <laughs> Let us know when, when we're all making it. Because, you know, it's chilly. It'll be alright. It's chilly. John, will you uh, be making. I will. Can we wait till. Recipe? Are we. Yeah. <laughs> the fall? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just. I'm going to. I'll put a note in the show doc about this. Because I. It, it could be fun. Remind me to look at the doc, though. <laughs> Don't just, like, say, hey, we're going to read Sweet Tooth, and then two days beforehand be like, no, we're going to make the chili instead. Because oh, I'll forget what chili was. Chili would, will be in that episode. Like, that'll be... Okay. I mean, it's not hard to just do the thing that we always do, which is check the doc. Yeah, because, you know, nobody else has ever done that before there, John. <laughs> Yeah, you're talking about Chris when he doesn't when he does check the doc. I used to have two jobs. Okay, I I had a lot going on on top of having a life. Um, I mean, we who had the day off? Final story in this. I did have the day off, but I also yeah. You don't have a huge yard, vacuumed, and you don't have that much. You don't have that much floor space. Still takes time. I did do all the housework, clean the bathroom, scrub the toilet, you know, scrub the tub, you know. It's and read all the other comic books that we talked about on the uh, Facebook Messenger. So, including Tap Tap Tap, written by Larry O'Neill and uh, Jorge Fornares, uh, which was emotional. I, I was surprised. Yeah, by, uh, they not they did not pull. Not how you want to like, go out with your celebration of a superhero's 80th anniversary. But yes, uh, celebrating the life of uh, Denny O'Neill, the creator of Green Arrow. Um, even though we have already said he's an obvious ripoff of Batman. <laughs> and, but yeah, it was still heartfelt. Like it's like one of those stories that are told without any kind of word balloons. Really, well, the word balloons are like kind um, of the things of the era and what's happening in them. Him writing Green Arrow, him winning in the award, him writing Batman, him drinking, him Go taking his son to uh, Kung Fu movies, him creating the question, like, and he did, I don't think he created uh, yeah. Oliver Queen, he kind of, the what we, th- what we think of it. Oliver Queen with that Robin Hood look, I think that's when his, he did mm. his series, right? I don't know. You would think yeah, they would say that, in the 80 page that special point, right Danny there. O'Neill was an editor, so he was kind of like the guiding hand for a lot of the DC superheroes. You know, most notably Green Arrow and Batman. And then he did write some Green Arrow and Batman as well. Um, but this is kind of his story and just him growing up loving westerns and then him creating and then just becoming so broken down and just going through the motions while his life's happening around him. Uh, 
And it also bears noting that this story was written by his son, and it's like, sorry for liking what your dad did. I I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's a very somber note to end this mm-hmm. anniversary issue on. But I, I don't fault it because, you know, Denny O'Neill is... You know, he taught literally like a master class on comic book writing. And it was one of those things like when master classes first started to become a thing online where it's like you could sign up and take the courses with them. And I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, like writing a comic book with Denny O'Neill, like that's the dream, <laughs> baby. Like sign me up. Um, didn't do it because it was like $30 or something. And I was like, $30. Like I should have done it. Um, but yeah, it's it's very sad, and then you're like, okay, well maybe there's going to be something else that kind of picks me up afterwards to like say, hey, it's been a great year, uh, eighty years, Green Arrow. No, that's that's the last one in the book. Not my favorite. I do appreciate it as kind of like that slice slice of life, like biography story, but. <laughs> yeah uh, and then it'll take us into our last book for this the book that Paul didn't read wait did we well, yeah, I have a, I had another book yeah John did you not read the doc oh uh no I read it I forgot about it static yeah, season it's... one issue number one it's there <laughs> It's it's there. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it, but I think <laughs> that's what I'm going to say about Nice House on the Lake. Uh, I do think yeah. it, need, it needs to be talked about because this is something that when they announced it back at the, uh, what did they call their online comic convention last year? Uh, the DC fandom. That's what it was. Uh, but this is Static, uh, season one, number one, uh, written. By Vita Ayala, and then art by Chris Cross, who also like who did the layouts, but then everything was colored, uh, and inks by Nicholas Draper Ivy. But Paul, you're not uh, going to make a joke. What? Chris Cross make what? They, yeah, they I make mean, me want to jump, jump. Are you, Paul? Guys, we, I made that joke uh, before. We we had a Chris Cross book. A couple, Paul, are you okay? Ago. Are you sure? I'm okay. Okay. Just tired. I've, I've had the poops all day, but that's... He talked about that pre-show, John. You weren't there for that. It's because Skype's acting up, and that. I tried calling you guys like Maybe nine times what... and sat alone for a half hour and then was like, can you guys call me? He just thought you were having computer issues. It happens. Hey, I had to re-download Skype again because it does it every single time we record. Um, but yeah. Milestone Comics is back, baby. Uh, we got a brand new Static, number one, Static Shock, number one. Whatever you know of Virgil Hawkins as, he's now back again. Um, but he was back before this episode in a Zero issue that came out, which we did not pick up. So We didn't realize it came yeah, out? Yeah, it, it was a thing that came out, didn't happen. And then so much of this book is calling back to what happened before. 
but then they're still telling you what happened in that zero issue because they know you didn't read it, that I feel like this mm-hmm. issue kind of suffered for it because, again, Firepower, yeah. we did not read the zero issue graphic novel that came before number one. But there was enough stuff there in number one that we were like, wow, like we probably missed out. Like We should check this out. I feel like Static number one spent so much time saying, hey, this happened before. Here's what happened before. You didn't see it, but this is what happened. That they should have just done that Zero story as the number one because you kept hearkening back to it and telling me what happened because you know I didn't read it. That it, I, it just makes me feel like that that zero issue was a anthology of like the starting point for all the milestone books that will be coming out, like Icon and something else, uh, maybe Hardwire. I don't know. Um, I would think I would be more upset if I spent money on that zero issue, and every issue I read from Milestone would do what this book did, which is like just recap what had happened in that zero issue that I paid good money for. Uh, much like how I would get upset every year uh, during school about math classes. Um, but here we get just uh, Virgil realizing that he might have made it. He blew up. He kind of lost control of his powers when a bully picked on him one too many times. And he's going back to school now, and he's afraid of the fallout of uh, everybody knowing that he has superpowers. But lucky for him, the star basketball player has said, oh yeah, that was me. I, I totally took him out. I, I was the guy with the electric all around me. Apparently nobody could recognize or see Virgil like in that electric. But his view. friends still know it was him. And they're just oh, like, yeah. his friends are just like, they're being good friends. They're like, oh yeah, like whatever. Hey, that, like, could, that could have been dangerous what you no, did. No, that, but we're here to support you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go play D&D. Like, yeah, and he's a podcaster, so that's cool, right? He plays D and D, and he's a podcaster. That's a, that's he's, a, it. Reminded me of like, Christian Slater and Pump Up. He, the he seems like he's. <laughs> so this this sixteen year old kid, or maybe fifteen year old kid, yeah, sixteen, because they say he's sixteen, seems more like he's a thirty year old man <laughs> with his interest in podcasting. And D and D than a sixteen year old guy. Everyone's got to make that sweet, sweet content. We were starting this show, right? He would be on TikTok, not doing a podcast, and maybe he would be playing D and D, but he'd probably be playing something else that's cooler. I don't know. I don't know what sixteen year old kids are into. D and D and podcasts. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't feel, think so. I really don't. I feel. Jumping into this, because I was excited to read a Static number one again. Um, when they relaunched with the new 52, Static was one of my favorite books from that relaunch. Um, didn't keep up on it, because there was a lot of stuff coming out. Didn't keep up on I think it was canceled it. pretty um, early on, too. I, I feel like he's one of those characters that people love, but it's hard to support a book for it's like the legion like people always want a legion book and then legion comes out and it just doesn't get those numbers but you know people love it i think there's also like Um, there was a fan base for the cartoon 
how many of those people that love the cartoon and talk great about the cartoon then when they launched the comic book actually went to the comic book by the time that comic book came out those people who were fans of the cartoon were grown you know grown-ups that probably weren't reading comic books to know that it even came out yeah, who would know that Justice League Infinity was coming out unless you listened to yeah, this podcast? Yeah, I, I did. You were also uh, the only reason I know is because <laughs> Paul picked it for the list, um, and that's because I'm a fan of that cartoon. This that came out 15, 20 years ago. I feel like putting out that zero issue was a disservice to this, and again, that's maybe on me or us for not picking it up and not being aware of it. But as soon as I was looking for books to have to bring to the show. I was like, oh, static number one. Like, yeah, okay, let's do that. And then so much of this book is like, oh, well, this is the thing that happened. Let me talk about the thing that happened instead of just having me buy the book showing me what happened if this was done as, like, the number one. That I constantly felt like I was behind and trying to catch up. Um, there is a... I don't love the artwork in this because it's very color and tone heavy, which I feel takes away from the actual, like, expressions and life of the characters because everything is just kind of so color blocked that nothing really stands out until we actually get to the fight when uh, the school bully... Firestream? Hot Fire, whatever he's calling himself, attacks Vert. I don't know. I signed out of your account. Was it? I don't remember. Um, That's okay. Until he attacks him at home. And that's when it really got me in because at that point, like, yeah, you're seeing electricity and fire being thrown around. So that kind of over computer generated coloring, it, it stands out. It works well. But when you're seeing people walking down a hallway in a high school, it just was off-putting and distracting. Um, I didn't love this book. I'm kind of sad, even though I want to see more of Static in this world and have him be a thing, and I hope this clicks in a way that keeps him around, because I think this character definitely has the following... I want to see him in the DC universe. Um, I would love to have like static just be a thing. It's like, Oh, Hey, you know what? Uh, I don't have anything else coming out this week. So I'm going to talk about static number 47. Cause this is on my pull list. I don't I think don't this, book this book is going to make it past the first six issues. Like you'll get that first story arc and then I'll be done. Cause I don't think this writer writes this character. Well, Um, this is the same writer that actually did a story from the Green Arrow 80th anniversary special. She did the um, Black Canary Green Arrow, like, oh, Ollie's been kidnapped. That story had fun, and this story character should this have one. fun. Static always was a character that had... You know, he flew around in a garbage can lid. Like, he was, like, he had fun. He was happy to do this. But this writer doesn't feel like it has it. Like, it has that, like, a week before the the gas was leaked. 
And it's this great family dinner, and everyone's playing and having fun. And then all of a sudden, it's like, after the guest, I am not a fun father anymore. I'm sullen, and this is that. But we're going to talk about you in front of you. But then I'm going to make reference that I'm we're talking about you in front of you, but not to you. We should do this where I talk to you. Now my house is on fire. Like... There's, it's just like it. Nothing in this book clicked. The character didn't click because he's very kind of a depressed, moody. I haven't been in school for a week. Ooh, my sister touched me. I said, don't touch me. And then my sister gave me some sass. And then I go to school and I'm like, they're all talking about me. What? Nobody's paying attention to me? Oh, my friends know? Hey, never mind. I'm not. Uh, I'm not upset about this. Uh, let's go play D&D. Like, the character's all over the place. There's not just a straight line of saying, like, hey, I'm depressed. I feel this way. How would I talk to my friends? And it's not that internal monologue where, like, I can't deal with this right now. I just want to get out of this conversation. Like, so much of this just didn't didn't flow right, didn't feel right. I feel like that's being a 16-year-old where you're just, like, constantly confused and just in your own emotional space. That And even if you try to have an internal monologue as a 16-year-old, you can't. You're just feeling all... It's just momentary emotion after emotion after emotion that's hitting you. And, you, and like, in the retrospective, like, after he's like, oh, I, I blew up by my sister. And then he kind of like, oh, hey, thanks for... You know, making the sandwich, yeah, whatever, thanks. Like, he, he's understanding he's doing things wrong, but he can't control himself. Like, and I do enjoy that there's kind of that analog of, like, feeling too much. Like, he's just a raw, raw nerve where, where he's constantly complaining about that buzzing sound, that feeling of electricity being all around him. Because, you know, when I'm stressed out, or, like, I, I kind of feel that way. Like, I'm just a raw nerve where, like, I just feel everything. Like, it's just all too much. And, you know, as a teenager, I definitely felt that way. So it's that kind of coming into age, too much hormones, too much everything happening. I, I feel I like guess, this just. I guess I didn't feel like that, analogy. too. I, I don't remember feeling that way as a teenager. Good, because it sucked. <laughs> it's I don't know. I I, I went, hated being a kid. I went into Static wanting to find something to latch onto and be like, oh yeah, like this is why this book needs to be here, and like this is why Static is Milestone's standout character. And I came out just being like, it was a teenage superhero. I comic like book. out of the teenage comic book characters that we've had like Miss Marvel and Miles Morales have been the best that I've read in forever even like Champions Kid Nova like it's it just seemed like the right writers on the right times for those books and grant, granted like Kid Nova I we didn't I I didn't read it past like with the first 
maybe 12 issues. Miss Marvel, I think, what, the first couple trades is what I read of that. Champions was the first six issues, but, like... Yeah, I, but I it, enjoyed Champions, just didn't keep up on it, though. Yeah. But this is an angsty team. <laughs> I don't, oh, maybe I'm just over the angst, like... I, I just want, I guess okay. I should sit down with the Virgil and just be like, hey, it gets better. You know, like it's. Yeah, it's. Like, all, tough being a it's team. Tough being a team. But you know what? Everyone else in that school is going through the exact same thing. And, like, you're going to get out of it and you're going to look back and be like, really? That was, like, the hardest part of my life. Granted, don't have superpowers. Like, wasn't tear gas or like experimental gas that gave me superpowers and like set everybody else down like a weird like big bang path but you know growing up is universal like we've all been through that wait a second that's just a tagline from a theme park what is it oh yeah sorry as soon as I say universal I I owe them 10 cents now um That's 20 cents we now owe them. Stop it, Sorry. Chris. Um, me- meanwhile, I, I've i had another beer after everything else because uh, <laughs> I cracked open the left-hand brunes, uh, getting tiki with it. They're pina colada wheat <laughs> nitro. Uh, delicious. Uh, but also from Sideward Brewing, we went there the other day for a lunch date, I picked up a four-pack uh, four of their Dive Bond uh, pale ale with lemon zest. And, man, this is just a nice lemony like crisp delicious beer um i knew i was gonna want this so i took a sample of it when i was at the brewery and was like yeah that's really good then i tried like three other beers that they had that were new uh and picked up a four pack of this to bring home just not for the show i'm just drinking it because you know i need to drink something as we're talking about our last book yeah uh, but just for like day-to-day drinking Oh, yeah, that's right, listeners. If you hang out with me for any kind of period of time, you will be driven to drink. Paul, Paul I, I think this would be great uh, another to do golfing. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, hey. All I know is when we st- first started hanging out together, Chris, you were We also were. Uh, no, we all were underage when we met. <laughs> Coincidence? Um, I did not have I my first drink that. until I was 25. But I took... Paul, on my twenty-first birthday, I bought one of my friends a gas station forty um, because he was like, "You're not going to do anything for your twenty-first." I was like, "No." He's like, "Well, buy me a 40. So we went to We Never Close downtown Buffalo on wow. Elmwood, grabbed him like an oldie, and they didn't even like ID me. Uh, I took and, Paul yep, out because on it's twenty-first birthday and bought him his. Uh, first beer in a bar and we went rodney's right around the yeah. from where he lived at rodney's chris is there right around the corner we chris were. was there uh we were playing hero clicks that night yeah and i had uh an exam the next day two exams i had econometrics and what was my second exam that but day? i took you i, I took you out i bought you your first beer as a uh, 21 year old Probably it has to be. Right? Is Rodney still there? Uh, yes, but I am good. It good is. on them. Uh, John will say he bought me that first beer, but it was comped. So well, I bought Maddie. A, I bought Maddie day. a beer. You bought too, yourself then. a beer. 
Maddie was and there. me a beer. Oh, was Maddie then there? Because my beer was comp because it was my because I had my paper slip. Well, we had more. Be- I bought all the rounds that night. No, I bought all the. I bought all the rounds. I got you. Yeah, your you second bought the beer first too. round. My beer was right. My second beer. Yeah, yeah my I first feel like round. We went somewhere. We else only had two because I did get beer somewhere else day. too. There's nowhere I don't know. like. Lake Shore Ave, like Route uh, Five, like there's nothing. There's nothing. But I there. also Oaks, am drinking Oaks a great uh, disc golf beer because this yep. is the beer I bought to drink tomorrow on the Fourth of July, and this is from Lawson's Finest Liquids. This is their Scrag Mountain Pills. I brought this beer in especially to my beer shop because I wanted to drink it for Fourth of July. Uh, this is a really nice drinking. Amer- American style pilsner. It's not as malty. It's not as bready. It doesn't have a lot of character. It's got a little more hop to it. Um, but I do really enjoy drinking this beer, and uh, I possibly will send a video to Chris and Yanni tomorrow of me shotgunning one of these beers. Uh, I, I wait. Are we all shotgunning beers tomorrow? Uh, I work eight to five, but I will gladly shotgun a beer. Um, the spoilers for everyone: uh, Sideward Brewing also puts out a beer every year called Gunner, which is an American light lager that's made for shotgunning. Like literally, the can on it has printed like "Hey, punch it here," so you know exactly where to stab the beer, so you can then shotgun it. Uh, Four point five percent ABV. Uh, my girlfriend's never shotgunned a beer. We're, we're gonna do that. Okay, so if you are sh- if you two are shotgunning beers, I gotta go to the beer store tomorrow. I gotta consumer store down the street. I'm gonna have to pick up beer tomorrow. Uh, and, uh, last time I shotgunned a beer was at the actual Martin Road studio. Yeah, and it was the stupid beer that we picked up from. And I want to say so it, was right I can't street. remember if it was Ed or Scott, but someone was just like. Oh no, I'm Stop. enjoying my beer. Uh, I want to like, say correction, fellas. I we shotgunned a beers during the show. We ran out into Paul's driveway and I believe we either did I think we did um it was either Flying Bison or Magic Hats and we did them in Paul's driveway cuz I remember shotgunning in Paul's driveway during the show. I think I don't remember shotgun. I think it was I when I remember when I we did at the you, but I don't remember. The, but I remember Paul made the, the, the wheel and we were spinning the wheel, and it was like shotgun beers, and we all ran out and shotgun beers. Oh, but yes, Martin Rose Studios one. We shotgunned many of beers there. I did uh, make a wheel. I I still remember. I I really want to say it was Ed that was like, oh, like I'm just I'm just enjoying it. <laughs> Yeah, sip, 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 sip. Like, and it was bizarre because um, it's like, we yeah, that was like the this. best of bad beers when we all brought like two bad beers. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and we were recording like, and it was like pitch black outside, and there was like thirty beers yep. lined up on like the window. Mm-hmm. It's still there. All right. Well, tomorrow I'm going to pick up a fifteen pack of all day IPA, and I'll shotgun one nice. of those. That sounds like it. We'll do it like together. We'll find a time. Yeah. 
But just put put it on Messenger. Don't put it on the dock, because you know me. I'm not going to check it. Uh, <laughs> put it on Facebook. We got Facebook. one last I'll comic book to talk about, though. And, John, this was <laughs> your one book that Paul did not read. Because it was on the dock, and, you know. And he didn't put it on Messenger, where we all put our books for this month. Well, that's because we were talking about, like... I put them on the, the dock. after. I put them on the dock. Because you, you know what happened on one time? I dock. mentioned my books on yeah. Messenger, and then I think Paul also didn't read them then, because he was like, we weren't on the dock. Uh, so this... <laughs> they weren't on the dock. Right? Yeah. Uh, so both, this is from places. DC Comics. This on. is The Nice House on the Lake... Number one, written by James Tinian, art by Elvaro Martinez. And this is a story of several people who are friends with this gentleman that are invited to this house for this party. That they've, they've known this person for some of them 10 years, some of them a little bit. The people, some of them know each other, but they're friends of this this man who's invited them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is an alien. And he's an uh, alien. Who has <laughs> brought about... <laughs> Paul didn't read the book, everybody. I, we, I know we talked about it through the episode, but Paul did not read this book. And he's invited these people because... The aliens that he's an alien of are inv- going to kill everybody on Earth. Yes. But at this house, they'll be safe. It looks yes. like you're reading. Are you... Uh... Because he's Ford Perfect from... <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> reading. I'm just guessing the kind of book you would I have I picked us this book up because it was James Tinian, who back. we've all enjoyed, and his... And- indie stuff uh the woods especially is something that we all really really enjoyed um so i picked this book up for that i can't say that i loved this book i liked this book i think he's trying to tie in a lot of what's going on in the world right now kind of into this book people are they're getting their temperatures taken. They're wearing masks. It's definitely something that he wrote during COVID. Um, I think the art is the thing that really shines out of this book, especially how they draw um, the the alien character with his glasses that you can't see his eyes um, and how he kind of shows up in it. I don't think I'd pick up issue two. Well, Knowing that this is a James Tinian DC Black Label book, I'm like, okay, this is going to be some sort of horror. And you're literally sold, like, yes, the world has ended. Let me tell you about it at the beginning. Um, so as soon as you have like the main kind of like point of view character Ryan talking to Walter on there, it's, it seems almost like blind date. Like they're making small talk, like. Oh, like, how do you think the world's going to end? At that moment, I'm like, okay, this person will be instrumental in the ending of the world. And the fact that it just keeps getting brought up and they continue to talk about it is like, yes, we're going to see 
the end of the world in this book. And it literally takes up until that point, like when Ryan has that moment away from everybody else where she sits down like next to the pool and then like goes on to social media and is like literally like reading people's like updates like, hey, I'm pulling my own skin off. It doesn't hurt, but it's weird. Um, that it took me like however many pages into this book to be like, okay, like now I'm on board, even though kind of what I know it was building towards. Cause the first, huh, I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. Literally like, the first like 17 pages of this book are just introducing you to the people that Walter has brought to his nice house by the lake to keep them safe from the apocalypse that I don't care about any of these people and how they know each other or know Walter. It's not until like, you know, that button get pressed that I'm, I'm interested, which is a a lot of wasted pages because again, like, it's well done. Like I get what they're building towards, but it's not until you get that like click that I'm like, okay, now this is an interesting book, which I, I feel is just a disservice. And at that point, it's only 10. Wait, hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's literally like eight pages that I'm interested in for this whole book. Right. So your description of it makes me feel like so is this like a take on like Big Brother, like the the reality television show where we're all or real world where um, you know things will you know, they're all living together and they're kinda all thrown in this no, situation. They, None of they, nobody knows each some other. Of them know each the, other. Yeah, so, some of them know each other. Yeah, some of them know each other because like they went to school together, like they have okay. a friend in common kind of thing. Um but like the main character like well not main character, but the alien who brought them all together and then is part of the race that brought about, like, the end of the world. It's... The framing device is like, oh, it's just like, hey, this is going to be a fun weekend. And then, like, oh, hey, you're never going to want anything. Like, we've got food. You've got, like, movies. You can read stuff. Like, you guys are safe. Like, you just won't ever get to leave here. And that's what's most interesting. Like, I don't need to see the biographies of all these characters. And they've all been designated, like, the the artist, the writer. Like, they all have their, like, own title and, like, icon that's been associated with them. And then they've all been kind of, like, given a role to play while they're at this house. (laughs) Oh, kind of like Checkmate. Yeah. But like that opening, the opening scene, the artist, yeah. the character um, you follow is like tying a bandage around her eye. She's missing an eye. She definitely looks like grizzled. She's been fighting and it looks like she's walking back towards into the house because there's these sigils that the house has that she's walking past in that beginning. And it's like, okay, some some crazy shit has happened. Um, and who knows where it is, but the end of this series will kind of lead to obviously where her walking back to the house or whatever. I enjoyed this book. I like the look of the book. I'd be interested to see where it goes, but I wouldn't 
buy issue two. If the entire series was like, or um, the first trade was four ninety nine, five ninety nine, I'd pick it up to maybe to to read. But I think that was what would do it for me. It's and it okay. So I'm going to get self-reflective here, and I'm sorry. And Have John I will say later that? on that I was just droning on, which is true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, earlier in the episode. Uh, so. So you know this whole idea of okay, you're you're now hey this is you you got this house you're going to be secure you're going to be able to live a happy life here but you'll never be able to leave you know and there is no future after mask of the red death i okay i i don't get that reference Edgar Allan Poe the world's ending uh, a bunch of like rich people are having a party and then the red death comes like in a and kills them citadel all right You've oh, never I, read your Poe? Oh, okay. I, I've read some Poe for, like, regular, you know, school, but never never beyond that. And that was not one that we covered. I, I felt like that was, like, introductory Poe. Okay. Uh, you know, Casemaya Montiago uh, yeah. and uh, Telltale Heart Tiago. and The Raven. That was, was not him. Pretty much it. Okay. That I only got an eighty percent, John. <laughs> the twenty so percent. Guess what? It's kind of a Monte Cristo. <laughs> that was the twenty percent I'm wrong on. Uh, oh, see, eighty <laughs> percent. Anyways, there's this like. Isn't this, it Dumas? Uh, Dumas the wrote kind of a Monte Cristo. He wrote the ideation that happens. Right, go ahead. Go ahead. Kind of a Monte Cristo has got okay. so much economics in it about French politics. I read it because it was part of my like classics for kids. Oh yeah, that's like, that's the better version to read because to read the real thing, it. it's all about like French politics and economics of that time period. Oh, that fucking sounds like okay. a book my mom would buy me. Okay, I might be getting the wrong thing. What's the one where the guy's like, hey, we're going to go down to the basement because I got this great thing of wine. And then he's he's like, oh, here's a big cask of wine. And then he starts like, hey, I'm a Freemason. Are you a Mason too? And then he actually blocks him in with uh, bricks and, you know, traps the guy in in a room. Is that not a counter? It is one of the stories. No, I, I can't think of that. That's what I'm thinking of. I know what you're talking about. That's a that's an Edgar Allan Poe story. And is that Edgar Allan Poe? Because that's the one know. I'm thinking of. Hey, listeners, listeners, okay. write in. Let us know what Poe story Paul's I'm 80% right. About. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, so what I'm saying is there's this ideation that happens in some of these horror slash, you know, end of the world kind of stories. Like, hey, can you be happy living out your life knowing that there will not be life after you. And it's weird as a guy that went and got a vasectomy <laughs> because, yes, Paul, I, I want to say a happy life 
knowing that there will not be life after. That was, that was an Edgar Allan Poe yep. story, the cask of Amontillado. You were correct on that. You, you were pretty, you were, you were pretty close yeah. on that. You're good. You're good. You're good. I was wrong. You were right. So that's okay. Hey, I know that story. That's story. I, was like, I didn't I remember know that that's what story. it was. Name I just was. couldn't place it. Yeah. I can't, apparently I don't know this Dumas story that you were talking uh, about. It is so. Alexander Dumas. I did the, the Count of Monte Cristo. Also, oh man, a really good uh, sandwich. So what's, what's the? <laughs> never had. You've never had a Monte Cristo. Ooh, no nope. one. Sounds gross. It sounds like it's French toast with ham, turkey, and it's not. Swiss. It's, not it's not deep fried. I, I, and it's all deep fried, and then a jam. Well, it's put French on top. toast, and then it's you fried. make like a almost like grilled cheese out of it. And then the ones I've had have been like fried together, and then like powdered sugar mm-hmm. and like the berry uh, compote what's the one? on top. Berry compote. And then there's this guy that then leads you there's into like the cellar. There's like so many threads weaving back and forth right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm making Wonder Woman's lasso, guys. <laughs> nice. No, but I'm just saying, like, there's this whole idea in this book. It seems like, like, hey, could you just live out your life knowing that you're just going to live out your life? Is that... I think... What's what's so horrible about that? I think we just kind of lived through it. Like yes, we were all just okay, kind of trapped in our homes, and every single one of us wanted to get out. I, you know, I had so many people coming through my store, who, in the beginning of like COVID, that they were just looking to get out of their house. They were buying the stupidest things, and it was annoying to me to be like, "You're, you're coming up." <laughs> For there's, there's nothing house, here that's going to sustain you for a long time. Everybody's you are buying house. to eat today, and that's it. Like you're not you're not buying to eat for the week. You're like, I got a Tony's pizza, I got a Red Baron pizza. Uh, where's this? I need to buy olives. Like it's just the most bizarre things. So yeah, no, you want to get out. You don't want to be trapped here. As even if they say this is where you're going to be able to live your life, I think it's just human nature to be like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yeah, that's true. Because I got to, I was leaving every day to go to work, and with my work, I was going to a different place basically every day. Or if it wasn't every day, like I would only. The most I'm ever at a place is maybe a week, week and a half, and then I'm out onto a new site to do installation. So maybe I haven't I think, felt. I that. think this is a story that James Tinian is telling from from COVID of being trapped in a a place, even though you have everything you need, okay. you still want to get out. The world is ending around you. <laughs> Uh, Paul, did we sell you on this book? It, like after us talking about it, is it something that you would want to go back? No, to? because John says he doesn't even want. He doesn't even yeah, want to pick would, up. Would you want to read so number one? <laughs> no, it's a guy that has had. What does it have to do with anything? I don't really need to understand this. <laughs> I know I didn't get it then. If you listen to me earlier, I explained it. 
but if you, you got what Paul <laughs> was uh, saying, well, we I I would say normally we would do a power ranking, but we talked about like a lot of weird like anthology books. Do you guys have like one mm-hmm. book for June that you would say like, hey, like check this one out? Green Arrow's a lot. I did like Static more than I thought I would. Uh, I have to say Checkmate. You know, Checkmate. Yep. Uh, I, I, I would also probably pick Green Arrow just because if you have liked, again, said it during the actual talk, if you liked Green Arrow at any point in his 80 years, there's a story in here for you. And I think it did that better than Wonder Woman Black and... <sighs> Black and gold? Okay. Black and gold. Uh, I feel like it but did it better than that. Then again, Wonder Woman wasn't trying to encompass all of her, you know, there's been... She Wonder had Woman her 80th anniversary last year. Like, someone else's time yeah. to shine now. But it, it did read the same same way, almost. Almost. But if you think we read the same way or listened the same way, uh, rate us and review us on wherever you listen to our podcast. Email us at bagnumpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if we missed a book that we should have probably picked up in June. We'll go back. We'll reread it. Maybe we were wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) We're not proud. We'll, We'll do whatever you tell us.